0: Okay, so those are all of our runner-ups. That means we're going to the top five. Each of our top fives, um, we're we're going obviously from worst to best. We're starting with our fifth favorite each, and then doing our fourth favorite right. each, and then our third, etc. Um, we'll take turns doing so. Um, last year, I went first. Lee went second. Sean went third, and that had the effect of like I like I got to go first. Uh, but Sean basically got to have the last word, <laughs> uh, so we'll switch it up and this time it'll, it'll be my turn to go last. Sean, we'll do Sean, Lee, me this time. Okay. And then when we do Game of the Year in 2021, Lee will get to go first or last their pick. Cool. Um, cause mixing it up is cool, I guess.
1: <laughs> if someone's game gets ranked earlier.
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if, if, say, Sean says the game is number five, that's also your number five, Mm -hmm. you can just say outright, oh, that's my number five, and then you can both talk about Mm -hmm. it. Um, if Sean's number five is your number three, uh, just say, oh, that's on my list. Okay. And it's coming up. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Sean can say a little bit about his, but we'll have the real discussion when we get to number three. Cool. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay, Sean. Yes. Kick us off with your number five game of the year 2020.
2: Okay. My number five game of the year 2020 is the Trials of Mana remake.
3: Ooh. This...
2: I I was saying earlier that I moved games back and forth between runners-up and games of the year a few times. This was a runner-up several times. (laughs) Like, I didn't know if I wanted Clubhouse Games to be number five or Resident Evil 3 to be number five or this to be number five. I finally settled on this being number five because I think that even though it is imperfect and it has some flaws, it's also totally worth the money and... If it is your kind of game, it's, like, exactly what you're looking for. Like, if you're a fan of the original Trials of Mana, if you just really want, like, a solid action RPG with a ton of content, um, I think that it's a really great investment, um, especially on sale. Uh, The combat is this really kind of satisfying but but relatively light uh action rpg fare certainly not as complex as something like a tales of game or kingdom hearts but there's still a lot there for you to sort of digest uh there are six character stories that are all fun in their own way um the the voice acting is it's kind of like nintendo mediocre for the most part but (laughs) But there's also elements to it that are really charming. In particular, uh Charlotte, who I really didn't think I was going to like, is just hilarious throughout the whole game. i I'm doing my second playthrough with her and my party, and I'm enjoying it immensely because of all the incidental dialogue she has. I do love like the audacity,
0: <laughs> yes. the 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 absolute balls yeah. that Square Enix had
2: to like give her dub voice just like, Hello, I'm a <laughs> yeah. sorcerer. Like I, I, wasn't sure I was going to like it, particularly because before I played this, I played you know the the sort of Western release of Trials of Mana for the SNES. And I was going
0: to say that it's great yeah. that uh, it's great that Trials of Mana is one of your games of the year two years in a row, <laughs> right. and they're
2: eligible both uh, times. Um, yeah, but in in that you know the Ubu speak, as it were, is sort of typed out. Are written out yeah. and in that case i was like oh i don't know if this works but then playing it with the... <laughs> i loved it then too i thought it was hilarious <laughs> playing it with the voice acting and hearing charlotte like like you defeat a group of low-level enemies and then you hear her really sincerely say like finally peace has returned like i was <laughs> on board immediately and she is not <laughs> disappointed from then on um <laughs> But yeah, you know Trials of Mana. It's it's a game with with some kinks that weren't quite worked out. But I mean, there's just there's a lot of game there, and I was really satisfied by the time that I was done. And so it yeah. is it is my number five, and not four, three, two, or one for for that reason. I I really liked it, and it was definitely one of the best games I played in 2020. Nice, that's fair. Very cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like uh, you sure played a
0: lot of this. Oh game. yeah. I guess that's really all I have to say about <laughs> that's it. Fair. Like, there there were a couple months where that's all I would hear coming from your Switch while you were chilling uh-huh. with us in the living room. So yeah, I would have been a little shocked actually if it didn't make your yeah. your top five. So although you struggled behind the scenes, <laughs> this final this final ranking makes sense. Cool. To me. I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, do Do you have anything to add, Lee?
1: No, but Charlotte's speak really just. I can't tell if I would love that and, like, think it's hilarious the entire game. Right. Or if I would just be like, dear God,
0: please stop. (laughs) You are just, you are just the meme. Like, like, Charlotte's like, oh, no, the patient is bleeding. We needed the football (laughs) way Please take me off life support. (laughs) Yeah, that's you. (laughs) It is. Uh, Alright, Lee. what's your number five?
1: My number five is Animal Crossing New Horizons.
2: <laughs> this is on my list later. Nice. Okay, so you can say a little ditty about it if you like,
0: baby. A little ditty. A litty-ditty. Yeah. A little. ditty uh,
1: <laughs> I will say this is the first actual Animal Crossing game I've played. I played a little bit of my brother-in-law's copy of Wild World. Mm-hmm. Did not like it. <laughs> Hated it. Hated Animal Crossing. I fucking love New Horizons. (laughs) (laughs) Saved my 2020.
0: It's interesting. It's interesting that, uh, like, Max, uh, our friend of the podcast, uh, former host of Play This, um his wife, he tried to get his wife into Animal Crossing for the GameCube, and she hated it. But she fucking loves New Horizons, Uh too. She's fucking hooked on it. Uh, Like, we asked her to elaborate, and she's just like, the ones in the GameCube were ugly. (laughs) Yeah. A fair I, wonder criticism. That, I wonder if that's really all there is to sure. it, you know? Like, 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 New Horizons just is like a mastering of like the Animal Crossing aesthetic, and that really lets you dive into the world more. I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess we'll be talking about that a bit more later. Yeah. That means it's my turn to talk my number five. My number five game of 2020 is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Nice. It's not on anyone else's list. N- uh, not on mine, now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the highest the Final Fantasy VII Remake is placing in our whole group is number five. Kind of it also won my best okay. soundtrack. It did. It was in it my did. runner-up. <laughs> Yeah. The, therefore, the highest it is placing <laughs> is number five. Yeah. I'm not saying it didn't place before that. I'm saying this is the highest. This is as high as it goes. So, all right. Yeah, I think Final Fantasy Seven Remake is uh, is real cool. Um, so Lee and I, I think maybe one reason it's not higher for me and Lee is because uh, we we didn't beat it. Uh, we got to uh, we got to Sector Five, I think, sure. um, and. Uh, and we lost steam there, uh, but it's not because the game isn't good. It's because um, it's because we we had a, a lot on our plates, and Final Fantasy VII remake was always a bigger investment. Like yeah. if we were gonna play Final Fantasy VII remake, we'd be playing it for three plus hours every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we like in this nightmare year of 2020, <laughs> we we weren't able to swing that a lot of the time. But it was always the game I wanted to play more of. It was the game that we really wanted to get to to play more of. And what we did play was was really great. It was a really great experience. Um, The ways they've... Like, I was kind of worried, right? That uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, in trying to make the first 15 hours... The first, like, 10 hours of the game, really... Into like a like a thirty to fifty hour long game, uh, I thought that would make it feel bloated. It would feel like there was a lot of filler, um, but the ways they've fleshed out the world are actually really satisfying. I think I think the Avalanche trio in particular. I think Jesse Biggs, and Wedge yeah. uh, have become some of the most charming characters in the Final Fantasy like franchise. For sure. They, uh yeah their arcs are really incredible and of course Jessie is a highlight just that 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 incredible thirsty girl just... <laughs> <laughs> i love her so much she's like uh she really captures your heart you know yeah. and uh and a lot of the side characters were surprisingly gripping and 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 fun to interact with um i <sighs> Uh, it's funny. Um, Sean, Sean and I talked about the game a bit before I got to play Mm -hmm. it and after he did get to play it. And, you know, Sean, uh, one thing you said a lot was like, man, everyone really fucking loves the battle system, but I could just like, I could just not get into it. And you, you kept saying that until like, uh, like you said, you got on board with the battle system, like near the end of the game, Yeah,
2: but it took you a really long time. It clicked for me about two thirds of the way through, I would say, and before that I was really struggling to adapt to it.
0: Yeah, I uh I thought the I thought the battle system was fine. Like I thought it was decent. I thought it was solid. Mm-hmm. And then it clicked for me the instant Tifa joined my party. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as like I started doing combos with her. Like, uh-huh. like like almost like fighting game combos by like just selecting menu options with her. Like uh, I was fully on board with the battle system, and I also loved like the material progression system, and like the 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 half ass sphere grid is fine. Like they <laughs> they they keep putting sphere grids in Final Fantasy games, and each time they're worse than Final Fantasy X sphere grid. But <laughs> yeah. like, but but you know, it's 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 a it's a nice way to like uh to put in experience points and and get things. You know, like yes. it's uh it's good for lizard brain in that way and uh <laughs> right and yeah u- ultimately i am down for it even if it's not like the the peak of that kind of experience for me sure um yeah like i i did not get to the part of the story that everyone thinks is so divisive i don't <laughs> even know fully what it is yet although i do have some guesses sure so like I I don't know if if me getting to the end would have put it higher on my list I don't know if it would have knocked it off, <laughs> uh, but but where I stand now in Final Fantasy VII Remake is that it, it's at least worthy of being in a top five you know and it's cool. it's a cool it's a cool experience I think Square Enix could have fucked up a lot you know expectations were so high expectations yeah. were astronomical oh and yeah like and. Every impression I've I'm seeing of the game is at worst, that was pretty good, you know right <laughs> like yeah, like <laughs> at worst, like that was yeah. pretty good instead of like I thought this would be the best game of all time, and although it is pretty good, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is not the best game of all time, and therefore I think it's dog shit, like I thought sure. I'd see a lot more of that like oh, around yeah. the internet, and I'm sure there's some of that right, but mm-hmm. uh but much yeah i I've seen very little of that, if any, um, and I think that's. That's impressive on its own.
2: And just to be totally clear, like, I... My lack of Final Fantasy VII Remake on my list, it's not because I thought the game was bad... Like, I came away from that game enjoying it and thinking that it was a good game. I just played so many other games that kind of spoke to me more that it wound up getting pushed off. You know, through through no fault of its own, I guess you could say.
0: Uh, The Super Smash Bros. remake of this year. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Earlier, when you were having your like meltdown about none of us having it in our top five, I wanted to say, like, now don't Super Smash Bros. ultimate this, uh, Daniel. (laughs) But, uh, you know. I I figured I'd let you speak first. Thanks, Sean. Sure.
1: I think something cool that Final Fantasy VII remake adds is the Turks' side story characters
0: mm. because mm. I
1: don't know much about that. Yeah, so it's cool to see them be incorporated into like the major story.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see how that like to see more of them as as time goes on because likewise yeah we've kind of just like seen like one of them like chilling on a train and you know it's like (laughs) who's that right Uh, yeah so yeah definitely interested to see more of more of these these kids (laughs) uh cool all right those are top five those are our number fives right of our
2: top five sean (laughs) your number four please my number four is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh,
0: why don't we Woo! talk about it some more? I think I will. All right, because, yeah, it's not on my list at all. But I, but I it, it got close
2: sometimes. Sure. Um, I've been an Animal Crossing fan for a little while. Uh, you know, I, I really liked uh, New Leaf. Um, and I also played, I'm sorry, I, I've already forgotten the, what the DS1's name was. Was that Wild World? That was Wild World. I played Wild World. That was the first one that I really got into. Um, And then I really got into New Leaf. And then I got into New Horizons in a big way. Um, I think that the Switch is a great console for it. Um, I think that uh, it, in many ways, has kind of learned a lot of lessons from previous Animal Crossing games and made improvements that I appreciate. It also is the most ambitious Animal Crossing game that I can recall being released in a while in that they added a lot of new stuff to it and I think sometimes they really stuck the landing and sometimes they didn't and that's why it's not higher like I really appreciate for instance that you know you now have crafting in the game as this kind of alternate path of progression but there are just so many quality of life things that Other games have figured out how to do with crafting that make it more appealing that Animal Crossing hasn't done, like batch crafting multiple things or being able to craft using things, you know, that are in your storage instead of in your inventory. These are all really easy fixes. And again, like (laughs) when I was talking about, you know, rollback netcode being a solved problem, like they're solved problems, right? Like, I mean, they could have looked at any game that has crafting and included these elements and they chose not to for whatever reason um and there there are a couple of other new things like like terraforming for instance i love that it's there i've had fun customizing my island but it's so tedious uh Mm -hmm. in some respects that like i would have changed my island even more and more radically and i haven't because i don't want to go through the hassle Hmm. um but in spite of all the nitpicks that i could make for animal crossing new horizons and there you know i could do many of them The only times that I've missed at least logging on to Animal Crossing to check the shops and talk to my villagers, uh, like once a day, are when I lost my Switch and physically could not do it. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't think that I've missed a day of playing Animal Crossing New Horizons since it came out. And I mean, God, it's got to be on my top five for that reason alone. Just the staying power is remarkable. Uh, So yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons, absolutely one of the best games that I played this year or you know this past year nice
1: it's so good and it came out at the right time oh
0: oh yeah Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) actually (laughs) a funny story real quick yeah is that my coffee shop (laughs) shut down a little bit for quarantine Mm -hmm. for like a month or two because of how bad covid was yeah and the store closed literally the day before (laughs) (laughs) new horizons came out so it was perfect timing cuz I could just stay home and focus on it yeah. for like a month and it was incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um uh, another other fun story. So uh so this year uh I I proposed to Lee. Um mm-hmm. I started calling them my fiance on the podcast so I think that worked out pretty okay. Right. Um I proposed in March and I had, I had this big fucking proposal plan. It it had multiple tiers. It was very ambitious and it transformed from like going to our favorite pancake place and then taking them to an aquarium, which we wanted to do for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then taking them like a private screening of like a Steven Universe thing, and then and then surprising them with all of our friends showing up at a board game cafe, and then proposing there. It turned from that into uh, none of all of our friends that were going to surprise them canceled their flights because a virus started right. uh, wreaking havoc on the entire world. Um, and I uh, and I ordered us I hop delivery and uh and we watched the finale of steven universe and uh and i proposed that way and um that that was still rad uh like that that was still like <laughs> uh the you know like yeah i mm-hmm. I, I that, that Just was still, rad yeah it was, it was cool it was awesome sauce uh <laughs> it was still a really precious memory um, but you know, I I did end up telling Lee's like, yeah, I, I did, I did have this big proposal planned, and I'm sorry that it didn't pan out. And then Animal Crossing came out, and uh, and one of the first things Lee did, uh, was Lee invited me over to their island, and then like kind of basically dragged me into the museum with them, and we went on like we went in Animal Crossing <laughs> on an aquarium date. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That's and weird. yeah and moments like that like i think salvaged my mental health during those times just a <laughs> little bit you know just yeah, enough yeah. to kind of to kind of get by you know um it did almost like like it was at one point it was in my top five another point it was in my runners up and it ended up like kind of sliding off but sure uh like uh, you know personally for me but I think this was one of the best games to exist in the year twenty twenty. Like it yeah. was, it really was kind of like
2: it was the perfect antidote, you know, yes, psychological it, antidote to COVID for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, it really was. Like I, I, I ended up ordering my my list a bit more subjectively, a bit more personally. But I think, like, I think if you're objectively saying some of the best games of the year, I think Animal Crossing: New Horizons has to be there. Cool. Yeah. Lee, is it okay that I told that story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's cute.
0: Yeah, it's, It is fucking cute. It's like.
1: It was a very cute aquarium date.
0: Yeah. It was very cute. It was, it was almost too cute. I didn't want to, like, you know, mess up your street cred.
1: I mean. <laughs> what is my street cred? <laughs> well, you,
0: know, you, you know, I. Not you, cute. I... <laughs> yeah, I know you like to, you know. You you got you got a harder shell sometimes I don't I, sometimes I don't I don't know how many people you want to see the softness under there.
1: I so. can have a hard shell and enjoy a cute aquarium <laughs> date <laughs> on Animal
0: Crossing if I want.
4: <laughs>
0: You're right. What was I thinking? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I think Animal Crossing New Horizons. I think the multiplayer also helped especially in 2020 oh yeah because i couldn't go anywhere right. <laughs> like I, yeah i wanted to stay healthy i wanted to stay safe so being able to visit friends honestly saved my mental health mm-hmm. quite a bit because oh, yeah. i would just hit up like an internet friend right. and we're all at home you know <laughs> i mean if we're not at work and we would just play together and it was just so nice
2: yeah yeah no like it's been great to for instance like my brother and i hang out in animal crossing all the time like we visit each other's islands we check out each other's shops we spam emotes at one another um like and it's just a great way to connect even though like i wasn't able to see my family this christmas for instance i was really sad about that it was still great to like visit each other's islands in the winter and give each other christmas gifts and animal crossing it's a really fun way to continue to have At least kind of a facsimile of that human connection that we've all been missing because of COVID. I mean, just a great, great game to come out during this time of our lives. Also, uh, I I did stop playing this game
0: much sooner than either Sean or Lee did, (laughs) but before I stopped playing, I got... Every K.K. Slider song in the That's game. That's true. That was like and, your mission. Yeah, that was my mission. Once once I had done that, I, s- I started collecting second copies of all of them so I could create like a K.K. Slider album room in the basement <laughs> of my house, but I did run out of steam halfway through that and just stopped playing. <laughs> But uh, you know, I I got every KK Slider song, and that was like me beating the game. Once I had done that, it's like cool, I beat Animal Crossing.
2: I achieved uh, that feat last Saturday, <laughs> by, <laughs> just by way of comparison. So good yeah, job.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I went so hard. on getting like, like Lee was mailing me their copies of KK Slider songs every right every week, and then, I mailed you a bunch. <laughs> yeah, you did. You helped. You helped for sure. Yeah, I was really, like, just... That was a project. Looking, yeah. Oh, such a good project. <laughs> I love KK Slater songs. Lee, what's your number four?
1: My number four is Miles Morales. Oh, nice. Ooh,
0: okay, nice. Uh, you, can, you can proceed, because this didn't end up... This didn't wind up on my list at all. Nor mine.
1: Terrible. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, th- I, did, I didn't play it. I, I thought about it. It was almost a runner-up, but yeah
1: so i watched daniel play the first spider-man game Mm
4: -hmm.
1: with peter and i was like okay this seems kind of cool and then miles appeared in it (laughs) and i was like oh damn this just made the game so much better (laughs) so when they announced that miles morales was getting his own game i was super excited about it yeah Because I've always thought that Miles Morales was a more interesting Spider-Man than Peter. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: (laughs) I think he's got a cooler moveset. I think he's cooler representation. Yeah, He's just really cool. And I think a lot of people see Peter's personality a certain way when it's actually Miles who's like that. That?
2: Miles is like that!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well... When it's actually a Miles who is like that. Mm -hmm. Because Peter is kind of snarky and kind of more of a jerk who's nerdy. Mm -hmm. And Miles is just straight nerdy, awkward, (laughs) funny, uh, that kind of character. So being able to see a video game about him in 2020 after Spider-Verse's huge success
3: Mm -hmm.
1: was really cool. Even if it's short. That's one of my biggest criticisms, and why I didn't get higher up. Fair. Because I think he deserved a full story, a full video game.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What I like about it is obviously his moveset is different. I like his moveset a lot. Uh, I didn't actually play, I watched Daniel play all of it. Mm hmm. But watching Daniel play was so fun that it was okay that I didn't physically play it. (laughs) (laughs) Like being able to use like Miles's Venom Punch and Venom Burst and his stealth was just really cool.
2: Nice. Yeah. And
1: something I really like about the story is a lot of duality that Miles deals with. Mm. Like Miles is a mixed kid. So it's cool that there's other duality and kind of parallels in a story.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you have rocks on tech as one bad guy, and then you have like the other side with the tinkerer and like the underground. Yeah. So it's cool that there's two different sides that he kind of has to balance on top of his regular life which is already kind of hard (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's cool that they can explore that there's like multiple things going on just like his personality his superhero identity his ethnicity and origins and like you know he's dealing with only having one parent sure there's just a lot (laughs) so it's cool that we get to see that Sometimes it feels like it's a little too much to mm. handle and to balance. Mm. But otherwise I think they do a really good job with it. It's nice that Miles is voiced by a black actor who mm-hmm. is young.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think some of the twists are predictable.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's... We we kinda we kinda called a lot of stuff in advance.
1: We we kinda did, actually. Like, when we would talk about things, we'd be like, oh, this would probably happen. And then it would get revealed sooner than we thought it would. Yeah. (laughs) But there's a cool couple of hints and nods to, like, The Spider-Verse and things that have happened in the past, things that have happened in the first game. I still love the podcasts that happen as we're swinging around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, just J. Jonah Jameson's podcast, like, (laughs) we'll just play random. Like, they're still so good. Like, still a highlight.
1: For sure. Honestly, I think they fill the gap of silence as you're swinging around, so I think it's a good way to do that. Yeah. And also to enhance and extend the universe and your environment. Mm-hmm. And kind of add on to a bunch of little details that are going on.
0: Yeah, um, it's actually, like, they, they actually add, like, the first game just had the J.J. Jonah Jameson uh, podcast. Uh, Miles Morales adds, like, a new podcast from, like, uh, kind of like a young, like, like more contemporary uh, girl, Danica Hart. Uh, who is more of a Spider Man fan and is more like of a like just like wholesome podcaster, um, and like and like they like Jonah Jameson and Danica Hart both roast each other on their respective podcasts, which like <laughs> which which escalates into like one inviting the other onto their podcast to do a debate. Uh, so cool. you almost like you almost get like the the podcasts get their own arc in this game. <laughs> yeah. and that's that's kind of great. I, I actually great. really dug that.
1: It's really cool, and uh, as a comic fan of Miles Morales, it's cool that they included his best friend Genki, because mm-hmm. uh, we don't really see Genki a lot uh, in other Miles stuff, specifically Spider Verse.
0: <laughs> yeah, mostly because like the MCU stole Genki and created Ned instead yeah. <laughs> uh, for for Tom Holland's version of Peter Parker. Sure. So I think, like, I think most media is kind of nervous to put Genki in because now the mainstream will think that Genki is a Ned Ripon yeah. <laughs> the other way around. Yeah. Poor Genki.
1: Poor Genki indeed. He deserves better. hmm Even though some things were predictable and it was short, I did enjoy the story that it told and the kind of adventures we could go on. I like some of the cool side quests you can do.
0: Oh, yeah. There are some really good ones in this, actually.
1: There are. It also kind of knows how to hit you emotionally, because one of the side quests is you finding um, like audio files that your father had left. Mm. Yeah, and you do like a scavenger hunt,
3: hmm. and
1: that yeah. hurt my heart. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool.
0: That that was that was really cool. Like both the gameplay was kind of neat, and also like it it had some nice emotional moments. It was really good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think my biggest criticisms. Are it being so short? Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I think he deserves his own full story to be told, and it just felt like it was nowhere near as long as the first game, which like, you know, Peter's more, quote unquote popular, so I kind of get it. But Miles is just such a cool character, and he's got so much going on mm-hmm. in his universe that it felt kind of weird. That of course, Peter gets a huge long story, and Miles, the biracial kid, doesn't.
2: Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah.
1: Also, none of the writers were <laughs> black.
0: Good, yeah, correct. So yeah, this is this is actually uh, why this is one big reason uh, Miles Morales didn't crack my list. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think actually that. You know, the game does makes a lot of good efforts for representation, right? Sure. Like uh um it stars Miles, um, like a half black, half half Latino kid, and like it, it includes a lot of black characters in the story, voiced by black people, and you know, really really tries to like show a lot of compassion to the communities it represents, right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's definitely like an intent of representation in this game. Um, but then, like, Lee and I looked into the credits, and all of the head writers were white dudes. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, like, the biggest bummer is you can kind of tell, like, we looked it up because something felt off, right? Mm. Because there's all these scenes, uh, in particular between Miles and his uncle Aaron, Mm -hmm. um, which, like, they would talk and, like they'd have a conversation just kind of about their place in the world mm-hmm. and like how the world has treated them and 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 how they should react to being treated that way in the world and like it just felt written by white dudes <laughs> yeah, you know dude. like nice. like it felt very basic borderline stereotypical yeah. like like Aaron was Aaron Miles's uncle Aaron was a great concept for a character but his dialogue kept falling short and sure. like and and that just that just kind of happens a lot like Miles like interacts with a lot of other people of color and it's weird because it's it's implied that they got consultants for some of this stuff uh they actually very explicitly got consultants for a side quest where you help uh where you help a deaf girl um oh, okay and like they they got an actual Black Deaf Girl to do mocap for the character and actually sign as the character uh, with authentic American Sign Language. Um, That's cool. They even
1: developed new tech so that she <laughs> yeah. could sign as like the in-game model.
0: Yeah, new new tech to mocap the hands properly, signing and uh and, like we looked all that up, and they they really like thoroughly like did the right thing like mm-hmm. there and uh and that was really cool, so then like they didn't hire they didn't hire one black person to be on the main writing team uh for this for this story that tries to be very black, yeah i uh man, <laughs> so close, you know, yeah, yeah they got so rough. close,
1: oh, yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, so like uh, it was a good game. It was largely a good experience, but like I I don't know how you could do so well in like some parts of that game, like do
2: so well and then Yeah. and then like overlook something that that key, you know. That's I mean, if you're going to make a game like that, you would want the majority of the writers on your payroll to be black, I would think. Yeah. Like it's it's that's very I mean that's that's an oversight that's so typical of the tech sector you know that it's it's like ugh, ugh, it makes me cringe yeah like at least <laughs> at least like
0: at least one of the directors of Spider-Verse was was a black man like Peter okay. Ramsey right like they're yeah. There there were plenty of white people on the payroll of that of that project, mm-hmm. and the the head writers of that were were both white, Phil mm-hmm. Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman. But you had Peter Ramsey of Black Man like taking those scenes, yeah, like and directing them from a black perspective, you know. Yeah. And you could and those like scenes in Spider Verse felt black, you mm-hmm. know, like Miles and Aaron felt authentic in that movie, and and then in in Miles Morales Spider Man they felt off, sure. and, uh that's that's very disappointing because I love I love Miles and I love Miles and Aaron's like complicated dynamic yeah mm-hmm. uh, and it really deserved to be done justice so uh, <laughs> so I guess those are so important to me that like it just it dropped off the face of my list when I thought it sure. I thought about it more uh, but there's a lot I do love about that game um, the Tinkerer is a is a cool villain actually yes and uh has some really cool stuff going on.
1: I was just going to say that I think the Tinkerer is a complex character. He's yeah. got a lot going on and it's cool. Oh, can I can I be slightly spoilery?
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I'll... I'll uh yeah, so we will be talking spoilers uh in this pod. Uh they'll generally be like light-ish spoilers. We're not going to talk about the ending of any game sure. in in great detail. Um there might be some spoiler talk for this game and other games. If we realize we're going to go into spoiler territory, we'll give a heads up and you can move to the next game in the timestamps, which this episode will have as Game of the Year episodes tend to do. Cool. Um, so, yeah, um, t- talk some spoilers if you like. Slight you
1: de- spoilers. It's cool that they turned the Tinkerer into a female character and not a male character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: I think female villains are often turned into one dimensional or two dimensional characters, mm-hmm. and they aren't really mm. that complex. Yeah. So it was cool to see a complex, badass leader female villain.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, a lot of female villains are either just like, just bitches. Or horny. Yes. And there's, there's or horny bitches. A... <laughs> yeah. And those somehow work out to being pretty cool villains. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah.
1: Anyways, the story of Miles Morales was really cool. It was so nice to see and have him get his own video game. I think the stealth is a cool new addition to this kind of Spider-Man game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool that you can choose... Kind of like in Ghost of Tsushima, you can choose to use stealth and kind of take down people that way, or you can just run head in.
0: Sure. Yeah. This this is actually one of the only games where I bothered to do stealth stuff more often. Um <laughs> partially because like this is the easiest stealth has ever been in a game for me, <laughs> because like you just like hit a button and Miles is invisible, you know? Right. Um, and like there's a meter that runs down But uh, you can kind of just, like, be, like, in people's field of vision without consequences because they can't see Miles. Sure. uh, Until the meter runs out. Um, So, like, I was able to kind of be bolder with my stealth, a genre that generally has a very small margin of error for your actions. (laughs) right? Um, So, kind of, an easy stealth game was kind of nice for me, actually. That was nice.
1: Yeah, so what's your number four?
0: My number four game... Is Life is Strange Two?
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's later on my list.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, nice. So I guess I'll just talk a little about uh, a little bit about it. Life is. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that Life is Strange Two is on both of our lists. Apparently, because uh, like it was one of the reasons for the kind of. December split because the last episode of Life is Strange two came out December twenty nineteen and we didn't have time to beat it before we did right. our game of the year twenty nineteen stuff, um, so like we finally actually got around to playing the last two chapters earlier this month, and uh, and yeah, I I'm sure Lee and I are both going to talk a lot about this once, uh, once we find out what number <laughs> Life is Strange two is for Lee, I'm excited to find out. Uh, we both love the Life is Strange franchise, like, I think all the Life is Strange games I've played have been, like, really cool and really good. Uh, Life is Strange 2 is very different from the Life is Strange games before it, and I think that is in its favor a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's maybe one of, like, uh, I think it's such a bold... Game it takes so many risks and uh, and I think that boldness is one of its strengths. Um, sometimes it doesn't always stick the landing. Some things aren't implemented in the best way. Sure, uh, but I love the ideas that it has. I love how brave the story is. Um, and I uh, I love 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 some of the. Game mechanic slash narrative concepts in this game. Love with a capital L. It's, uh. Yeah. And, like, at one point this was a runner up, and then I realized how, like, how cool this game was. Cool. And I moved it up. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. I think it's nice? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited that you liked it this much.
0: Yeah. I. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk more about it whenever you tell me how much you liked it. Yeah.
2: But in the meantime, Sean, what's your number three? My number three is Sakuna of Rice and Ruin.
0: Ah, uh, there it is. Yeah, this, this is a
2: total <laughs> indulgence pick. Been waiting um, for because it. Because it feels... I mean, this is just one of those games where it feels like it was made for me. Um, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin is... An action RPG sim hybrid where you play as Sakuna, who is the daughter of a harvest goddess and a war god. And because of her lofty heritage is, is really revered among the gods. Uh, but because she is kind of so full of herself and so careless, she makes a mistake... Uh, that involves her and several humans getting exiled to an island full of demons, and they have to tame the island and also um, grow rice there and send it back to sort of the kingdom of heaven, basically. And so in the action RPG uh, parts, you do this kind of 2D side-scrolling exploration of the island, of various parts of the island, where you're fighting off demons and wild beasts, uh, Using you know kind of the techniques that you learn over time, and also this divine raiment that you have that allows you to kind of parkour around and uh explore various places that you might not otherwise be able to reach, and then the sim part involves you growing rice and the <laughs> rice growing in this game like I had heard that it was quite complex. And initially I thought, well, this doesn't seem so bad. You know, I'm just kind of, I'm learning as I go. I'm following these steps. But the game happens in these year cycles uh, where kind of it takes three days out of each season. And so there's sort of 12 days in a year. And every time the year starts over and you go to plant rice again, like more mechanics are layered on, more mechanics are layered on. And you're like, monitoring the temperature and level of the water in your rice patty you are putting the perfect ingredients into your manure that you're spreading that affects the stats of the rice you <laughs> like your human sort of subordinates are creating tools that allow you to harvest rice more efficiently or mill it more quickly uh or kind of select uh, you know balance for for quality versus quantity of your rice and it's actually so complex that one of the things this game is known for is that when it came out in japan the japanese department of agriculture's website crashed because so (laughs) many people were visiting there to look for tips on farming rice like it's that level of realism um but they do such a good job of kind of teaching it to you season after season and gradually layering on these mechanics that for me it hasn't ever felt overwhelming it's just like every time there's something new it's like ooh, now i get to you know learn about this aspect of rice farming um and it ties into combat because your heritage is you know harvest goddess and war god the better your rice yields the more powerful you become in the field of battle so you kind of have this incentive to learn how to farm rice really well um and then later on you're able to like trade rice for items and there's just a lot there's a lot of depth um the reason it's not higher on my list is that the game does have some problems like first of all i think there are just kind of structural problems like the way mm. that you progress ...is essentially you kind of explore different zones of the island... ...and you get the, all with these kind of achievements. Like, it'll there will be a sort of a, like a bunch of vague quests that are laid out. Like, use your divine raiment to explore new heights. Uh, find the hidden secret or whatever. And the more of those you achieve... ...you have to kind of get a certain number of those overall to unlock new areas. And some of them are just sort of so vague or so difficult or whatever... That you just get gated for a little while where you're like spending a couple of seasons farming rice to get the stats you need to progress or, you know, grinding for the proper items so that you can achieve one thing or another. And that's kind of slowed my role a little bit, I guess you could say. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, then the other thing is that I, I have just found several glitches. Like I've been trying to climb a oh. wall and I've clipped through it and fallen endlessly through the world and had to restart <laughs> my game for instance, oh no! yeah, oh no! like stuff like that, that you would really want to have found before you released your game. Uh, yeah. So so there are problems with the game, but I mean, my God, if if that sounds appealing to you, like if you heard that and got as excited as I did when I heard that that was what the game was like, you will love this game. It's, I, ah, oh, I'm so excited to play more of it um, in spite of its flaws. So that's my, my number three. It's definitely, like... It's, as I said, it's my indulgence pick. Like It's it's not a perfect game. It's not the best game I played, but it's just me to a T, and I loved it so much that it's the most objective pick uh, you know, that I have on this list. Nice. Very nice. Thank you.
1: You played so much of it.
2: I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got really into this game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still playing it, and I'm looking forward to playing so much more of it.
0: Yeah, no, as soon as I saw this game, I I pegged it as like this is the Sean Francis yeah. game. And you were the this... one who to,
2: who made me aware of its existence, so thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. And of course <laughs> yeah, you also man. got it for me, so I appreciate yes. that
0: too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it felt like a duty that I had to perform, you know, like it, it felt like it felt like once I knew this existed, right. I was obligated to unite you with this experience. I,
2: I appreciate it. You know me very well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm I'm actually a little surprised that it didn't rank a little higher for you actually but 3 is obviously quite yeah. the accolade. This and,
2: this uh, was one that moved around a little bit too but I felt like 3 was yeah. the right place for it. Nice. Yeah, it was a good place. Nice. A good place. Do you like Sukuna as a character? She's hilarious. Yeah, she's really great. <laughs> she's she's that kind of, like, haughty, bratty girl yeah. with a heart of gold that's gradually uncovered after a period of, like, toil. You know, it's like, it's, I love characters like that. You um, sure do. She's Yeah, she's just, like, really funny and becomes more endearing the more you play. Uh, I really, really like Sukuna a lot as a protagonist. Nice. Alright, Lee, what's your three my 3
1: is 13 sentinels Aegis rim. This is on my Ooh. list later.
0: Oh, This snap. is on my list later. Oh, <laughs> snap. That's oh that's that's impressive. Number 3 is the lowest. Yeah. <laughs> 5 is the highest for RF7 remake. But 3 is the lowest <laughs> for 13 sentinels Aegis rim. Um if you want to but if you want to like you know talk a little about it yeah. say your personal reason for picking it.
1: My personal reason for picking this Okay, so my list moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I struggled so hard with coming up with a definitive top five. Yeah, same. I kept like making my list on my iPhone notes, and then deleting, <laughs> and then changing it, and then deleting, <laughs> and then changing it. Uh, but I knew this had to be in my top three somewhere. When we started playing, I didn't think I was going to like it that much. I'm gonna be honest. Sure, there was some yeah, some issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, and it and it started out the gate with those issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, like like just immediately, like uh, like yeah, let's let's maybe be upfront with this. Like you know, it is it, it's it's a dumb Japanese game that sexualizes teenagers a lot. Yes, like yeah, let like I I always want to be upfront with that kind of thing and not like just kind of bury the lead. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I, I hate. One one thing that bums me out in like the anime fan community, right, is just like there's just so many people who are like, oh yeah, you know, it's, just a, little, it's just a little bit, oh, it's so good, you know, like mm-hmm. they they say it like, quickly, swoop it under the rug, and it, yeah, uh, and
2: like yeah, and then it's not. Um, or worse, the like. Come on, it's just pixels, people. Like, like, come on. Like, oh this, yeah, this, oh, oh, this God. has real uh, consequences for the perception, you know, for people yeah. thinking yes. that it's okay.
0: Yeah, it 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 really does normalize things in in a dangerous way. Um, that like it, it just uh the the fact that we're all so desensitized to it. Uh, that's always. Gonna bug me when when we play games like this. Like it can otherwise be a very good experience, but I think like I I think it's worth saying like from the get go that like that aspect of it is is not cool. It deserves to be
2: called out for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I just didn't do that first because I figured we would dive into it later.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and maybe maybe we like there's there's gonna be yeah, yeah. there's I there's gonna be specifics that we'll talk. I'm yeah. sure this will come up more cuz I also don't want to just be like, "Oh yeah, up front, this sucks. Don't talk about how it's good." <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, go go on, babe. Right. So like
1: right off the bat, it's got some issues that I don't like like immediately teenager is almost f- f- I mean, she is fully naked, but you don't really see too much. Mm-hmm. It's still enough that it disgusts me, and I was like, oh god, this is how it starts immediately. (laughs) Like, I'm probably not going to like it that much. I know there's some cool science fiction stuff, I guess, but if it's going to have this anime bullshit, I'm not really going to be into it as much. Mm -hmm. And then the more we played, the more I fell in love with the story and the characters, and I ended up actually really liking the format of the game. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So
1: for that, it is my number 3.
2: Cool.
0: Nice. Cool. Yeah, and, and yeah, I'm sure we will we'll talk a lot more about it. Uh <laughs> Well, I'll try not to spoil too much. Right. Uh which is funny because 13 Sentinels just like spoilers the game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's hard to talk yeah. about it even on a surface level without yeah. giving stuff away. Yeah. But yeah, we'll 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 eventually get into mild spoiler territory with Thirteen Sentinels, yeah. but I do think, I do think a lot of the joy of the experience is getting to uncover things for yourself yeah. in this game and kind of put things together yourself. So if you're listening to this and you become interested in Thirteen Sentinels, I don't want to, I do not want to deprive you of that. Right. So we'll try to avoid huge spoilers. Sure. Um, and when we do get to spoiler territory for Thirteen Sentinels, we'll warn everybody. Um, okay. So. Uh, my number three is Fuser. Ooh, okay.
1: Damn. Ah,
2: not on anyone else's list, huh? No. Wow, it didn't even crack Sean's runner-ups. No, I, I, I really liked the time that I spent with it, but no, it got pushed off by other stuff.
0: Dang. Well, yep, here it is. It's, Fuser is my number three. I did like, there was a point where I wasn't even sure Fuser would make my runner-ups, actually. <laughs> Uh, because like, it's it's an incredible piece of technology with a with a lot of like, with a lot of technical issues yeah. and like a lot of things in the package that are annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the story mode is awful. <laughs> it's so it's bad. bad. Rather, the story of the story mode is awful. It's a very good tutorial for the tool set that Fuser offers. Yes. Um. Maybe I should back up even more, because I feel like a lot of people don't even know Fuser exists. Sure, uh, Fuser is uh, Harmonix's newest uh, game slash toolkit slash accessory mm-hmm. slash uh, like music creation <laughs> tool. Right, right. Like it's uh, if you've been following us long enough that you heard me gush about Drop Mix before that thing vanished off the face <laughs> of the earth. Um, it's by the guys who made Drop Mix. Yeah. So it's, by, it's by the guys who made Rock Band. It's by the guys who made Guitar Hero. These guys who make very cool unique uh, musical experiences that sometimes, like, become cultural phenomenons and sometimes um, uh, become things uh, that a dude on a podcast will just say, oh, please fucking play Fuser. It's so good. <laughs> uh <sighs> It's been it's been discounted like three times and it's only been out for three months. <laughs> I don't think it's doing that well. Yeah. I wish it did was doing better. Uh <laughs> you got the game on discount like two weeks after it came out, Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh but yeah, it's it's basically like uh the game is like you are a DJ and you get all these samples from different real songs. Um, right like uh like some that are like genuine hits uh like uh um oh I'm blanking
1: crank that soldier boy
0: <laughs> I was <laughs> I say genuine hits in your first answer is crank that soldier boy uh yes
2: <laughs> well, well uh, what about the lizzo song that you like?
0: Oh yeah, yes. Good like as hell. fucking
2: bangers, like good as hell, yeah.
0: Um and others that are like there for the meme, but also bangers right. like uh, like All Star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Smash Mouse All Star is in the game. Um uh fucking Never never uh, gonna dance, give you up. Never gonna give you ups in the game, uh to uh, dance monkey, the battle battle bato
3: dancing <laughs> my whole life. Yeah,
2: that yeah. One. um yeah. She's every time Daniel talks about that song, he has to sing it like that. Yeah. I just want Ooh. you all to know that.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> ah, do, me, do, me, do every time. Ah. Um. So, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's got uh at this point like closing in like a hundred fifty different songs. Nearly all of them from incredibly like prolific artists from, like, er all these different eras of music. You've got you know you've got Soldier Boy in there. You've got Weezer.
2: You've (laughs) got DMX. Mm -hmm. You've got and and like uh, even like kind of quite uh, old stuff relative to that. Like Donna Summer, for instance, right? Like yeah, you got Donna Summer. You got yeah, you got Dolly Parton. Uh You've got um. There's, there's, there, it's fair to say that there is a broad and wide-ranging catalog of music over, spanning a period of decades.
0: Yeah, and, like, they're, they're all kind of separated into different categories, categories like country, mm-hmm. uh, R&B, hip-hop, and rap, um, uh, dance. Yeah. Uh, dance is a big one, obviously. Um, Latin Caribbean, rock, pop. pop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, you got "Take on Me" from Aha. You've got uh, you've got "Bad Guy" from Billie Eilish. Uh, you got "Call Me Maybe." Um, you got Childish Gambino in there. Uh, Jonas Brothers uh, "Sucker," uh, party uh, LMFAO's party rock anthem. Uh, the Lil Nas X remix of "Old Town Road." Uh, "Better Now" from Post Malone. Um, yeah, like. Uh Salt and Peppa push it. Uh <laughs> Killing in the Name of From Rage Against the Machine. I use that every like,
2: time I play.
0: All these songs, yeah. you basically get a selection of all these songs. Um there's uh there's a decent amount of DLC too. Um they're, they add three songs every week. Uh and they add DLC like uh, fucking Alinus Morrison's Ironic, uh Evanescence, Bring Me to Life, uh um soldier boy is actually dlc right um and uh counting stars tub thumping uh baby i'm jealous baby i'm jealous uh yeah you know well i i've made the point that there's a lot of music in this game. yeah <laughs> i think that's fair to um, say and what you do with the music in that game is basically every song has different tracks right like it's it's separated into, into different, um, I forget the musical term for it. Uh, it's but it's like, basically,
2: like, like, drums, bass, backing, and vocals most yeah. of the time. Sometimes they play with yes. it a little bit, but that's the basic format. Yeah, so
0: basically, you can make a mix. Like, you get to make mixes in this game, basically. Yeah. You can make a mix that's, like, uh, the drums, uh, from, uh from All Star, uh, the vocals from, uh, from Good As Hell, and then, like, and then, like, the violin from Call Me Maybe, (laughs) uh, while you also get, like, like, the, the fucking guitar riff from Never Gonna Give You Up, just all (laughs) playing at the same time into its own unique song, um, and... Fuser has all these tools that let you basically make your own DJ set with these mixes, right? Like you can, like you can create drops and like you can swap music in on the fly and and make these sets that like kind of start with All Star and then end with Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> uh, and <laughs> um. You can just create like some you can create some legitimately really good sounding stuff you can also create some really cursed sounding <laughs> stuff uh, and sometimes you can just find a balance between the two um it's it's such it's been such like a satisfying experience it's been like that technology has been so amazing to play with uh, that. All these problems I have with it otherwise kind of, like, melt away. Like, for example, the Switch version in particular does not allow you to upload your mixes onto social media. Yeah. You can do that if you have, like, the PS4 version or the Xbox version or the PC mm-hmm. version especially, uh, but the Switch version lacks that functionality, and I did not find that out until after I bought the game. However, you can uh, you can share your mixes in the, in the Fuser app. You can share them within the game. Um... And, uh, and you can kind of do a funny workaround where you can upload them into Fuser using your profile. And then a PC user can look up your profile <laughs> and and record those songs right. and put them online if they want. I've considered getting a second copy of Fuser for that, <laughs> I'll be honest. But uh, I already said this. Story mode's bad. Yeah. The uh, The way it teaches you how to play the game is good. But all the story stuff basically, like it takes like you keep getting taught by different dj's who focus on different techniques and uh teaching you how to play sets in different ways and that sounds great on paper but every dj i've met so far is the most annoying <laughs> character i've experienced in a video game in 2020 yeah. like uh I one thing I thought was cool is there, there's a non-binary character infuser, right? And they're the most stereotypical dumb hippie. Oh my <laughs> yeah, god, they yeah, that's suck! Obnoxious. <laughs> they're so annoying. They're so like, bad. There's there's a nine-year-old uh, like rap DJ called Big Nums. <laughs> that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and. Yeah, it like there <laughs> the the game doesn't really get like it it has trouble finding uh the audience that would really appreciate Fuser I think from like a tonal standpoint. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, just the cast of Fuser is really annoying. You don't have to deal with them after the story mode. Like you can freestyle and never have to talk to those characters again. Right. Um you know, you can you can participate in events and those characters won't show up. In in the online events and the you know the online versus modes and stuff. Sure. So like, so basically like you will have to experience some game some parts of the game that will not be enjoyable or fun, <laughs> but but once you get through that, you get to experience the meat of the game, which is like one of my just one of the favorite things that I've gotten to do in 2020. Just like pa po- just popping in the do-do-do-do-do-do-do from, from uh-huh. Party Rock Anthem, while just uh, somebody right. <laughs> just drops in. Yeah, I just I cannot describe, like, the serotonin that creates. <laughs> you know, it's... I, I cannot underestimate it. I cannot yeah. push that aside. Like, uh, Fuser's... Uh, <laughs> Fuser is not a perfectly executed uh package overall, but the the music mixing feature of user is perfectly executed and yeah. it's worth everything else uh I'm not really a music game guy, you know like I didn't really get into the guitar hero rock band zeitgeist, right like I of course I played it because like everyone I knew would have it at their house right and if you wanted to socialize, you'd have to play that game <laughs> if you were if you were someone in your early 20s sure. in the 2000s right yeah like uh in the late 2000s. So, so I was interested in the technology, but I wasn't expecting to get as like really sunk in deep as I did into Fuser. Um, but Fuser's fucking awesome. It's it's fucking awesome. It sucks also, <laughs> but you should play it. You should buy it, and you should play it and experience the technology for yourself because it's it's so cool. Uh, maybe if you have a PS4 or something instead of a Switch, and you want to use the social media feature, do that instead. But but it's, it's still it's still actually worth it either way, in in my opinion. Especially once the quarantine's over, you'll be able to take your Switch to friends' houses and just play mixes for
2: them. That's uh, like the first party I go to after quarantine, I'm absolutely bringing Fuser. Because it's, yeah, it's exactly. such a great party game. Without yeah, even having that... been to a party, I can tell.
0: Because yeah, Fuser was announced before... <laughs> Before the quarantine really like mm. kicked in. So like when I saw Fuser get announced for the Switch, I was so excited to do that. It's like cool, I'm gonna bring this to Max's house. I'm gonna make him listen to fucking call me maybe over the never gonna give you up melody and he's just gonna have to deal with it. Uh and, uh, and he, he moved to a different state. <laughs> <laughs> you escaped this time, Max. Uh, nah, it's, it's my number three. It's, nice. it, it might be a bit subjective, but, uh, but I, I think it actually kind of earned that spot despite everything else about it.
2: Sure. I, I really enjoyed and had a good time with, with Fuser during, you know, during the time that I played it, um. I think that the reason it stuck with me, for instance, more than stuff like Guitar Hero and Rock Band did is that, I mean, it's just pure creation, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Compared to Guitar Hero or Rock Band where you're kind of playing along with a song or DJ Hero or something like that. With Fuser, I mean, you could just go into freestyle mode and be like, yeah, I want to take this song, this song, this song, this song, put them together and see what it sounds like. And yeah, then I yeah. want to add these effects. I want to change the key. I want to change the speed. Like, you can do a lot of the stuff that you're able to do if you were like a DJ with two turntables, but then also it kind of streamlines the experience that like, you don't have to beat match, right? Like you don't have to adjust the tempos that everything goes together. Fuse just does that for you. And so it's this great kind of DJ light experience. And for that, I really like it. Uh, The reason it didn't make it onto my list. Well, there's two really. Uh, The first is that like it, if you want to have the full Fuser experience, it's expensive. You know, like yes, this is a game yes, that is, is designed that. around buying a lot of DLC. If you want to stay current, uh, yeah, release new songs. The songs cost money; gotta pay to get the songs. Yeah, um, and you know that. Like, I I wasn't willing to put the capital in uh, to sort of get all the latest music. Um, the second reason is that. I mean, you know, Daniel's already touched on this. I don't know what a good way is to teach people in an organic and engaging way how to use all the tools that Fuser has to offer, but the story mode is not it. It's not good. <laughs> um, and part of the reason that I fell off after a while was just like, I don't feel like dealing with this anymore. You know, nobody will unlock this stuff. I don't want to deal with it uh, because some mechanics you know you're kind of taught how to use them uh by way of the story mode most of the mechanics in the game in fact and then also um there's like kind of costume pieces that you can get for your little dj avatar that you make and like i wanted that content and i wanted the context for how to use a lot of the stuff in the game i just i i just like i couldn't stomach any more of that
0: story story <laughs> and so i how, i
2: kind of fell off after a while how far do you get
0: which which dj did you get to before you were like
2: i at least got to non-binary hippie person um i at least got that far i, I don't remember any djs after that so that might have been <laughs> the end of that
1: they suck so that's fair
2: yeah, they did suck. The DJ
0: after that is voiced by Todd Havercorn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's <right>. so weird. <laughs> it's
0: very weird.
2: But yeah, like I, I, I certainly don't fault you for putting Fuser this high on your list. But I just, for me, it didn't. the, the lows didn't quite make up for the highs.
0: I get that, uh, and I don't blame you for that. Sure. Um, but I, yeah, the, man, the the highs were so like they they had such a grip on me that. <laughs> Uh, that as, as much as I wanted to like ding it further for the lows, uh, it, it just like, it just managed to still feel like a really good game to me.
2: Okay. That's fair.
0: Although I will agree that like, yeah, it's, it's expensive. Like it's two bucks a song. Um, and they add three songs every week. Right. So like if you wanna if you wanna like really be a completionist you're you're spending uh you're spending twenty four bucks a month yeah. right,
2: and which is more than most subscriptions to things cost you know yeah, like comparing yeah. that to instance for the value you get from like Netflix or something right like yeah, yeah, it's obviously very different experience, but I mean you can't help but think about the dollar amount. Yeah. Man,
0: if if it was like 99 cents a song or something, I think I would go even more ham than I already have. But uh but yeah. Yeah, I, there there is that. I think that would be more worth it.
1: Like if it was yeah. 99 cents per song because one of the yeah. main reasons I haven't gotten it yet is because the DLC <laughs> is incredibly expensive.
0: Right. Yeah, and of course a lot of the best songs are DLC. Exactly. Right? Of course, right? You you can't get Bring Me to Life without paying more money for mm-hmm. it
1: do you know how sad Um, that makes me
0: yeah (laughs) yeah very sad (laughs) because
1: like as a music major and somebody who likes mixing up and remixing songs it's really cool that they give you this platform to do so especially with very popular songs yeah it's just the dlc that kills it for me and that's why it didn't make my list
0: Mm -hmm. that's that's super fair oh that's so fair yeah but okay that's my number three. Sean. Yes. What is what is your number two pick?
2: I think this might spoil at least one number one pick. Uh, my number two is Hades.
1: <laughs> it's later on my list. <laughs> oh! So, sorry.
2: Sorry. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, It's... It's later on my list, <laughs> Honestly, Honestly, like, uh, it was, like, my one and two have been swapping, mm-hmm. like, throughout this discussion, even. Sure. But I think, yeah, I, I think I've just locked it in. Um, yeah. But,
2: uh... <laughs> go, go ahead and tell us your sure. number two, Sean. So, I didn't get into Hades quite as much as Daniel did, um, but I did clear a couple of runs... And I played enough of the game to come to just really appreciate the craftsmanship. Like, um, one thing I said during uh, you know, previous years about Into the Breach, uh, ah. which is a game that I loved, is that it's a master class in game design, and I think that's absolutely true of Hades as well. I think that. I mean this is just a great distillation of every lesson that this dev team has ever learned making all the previous games that they made you know this is like super giant's mm-hmm. magnum opus like the um the even just kind of the stuff that I you know that drew me in but that wasn't my favorite like the the combat for instance i think is really good but Mm -hmm. what makes it particularly compelling is just kind of the options that you have and how good it feels and how well it's done and then it feeds into other aspects of the game that i enjoyed even more than that like kind of learning more about the mysteries of the house of hades as i did run after run after run and died over and over uh, getting to forge relationships with the various characters that exist in the Underworld. Um, kind of uncovering more about the gods and their relationship with people in the Underworld. Like, you, the more you play, the more layers of the world of Hades get peeled back to reveal even more interesting things that are happening. Both, both kind of tactile gameplay-related things and then plot-related things. I mean, it's just this incredible unwinding of a game where it gets better the more you play, um, which is, I mean, it's if you're doing a roguelite like this, then I feel as though that's really essential, and they absolutely nailed that aspect of the experience. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed my time with Hades. Uh, I might revisit it more in the future. I might not. Uh, but even if I never play it again... Uh, I'm satisfied with what I experienced and I mean this is I think that this is probably me trying to be the most sort of objective and just looking at the quality of the game because even Mm. though Hades didn't quite sink its teeth into me uh, in the way that it did a lot of other people. I have nothing but respect for this game and the people that made it based on my time with it. I mean, it's a really, really remarkable experience. And the fact that it got snubbed so badly at the Game Awards, like, Uh I almost wanted to give it Game of the Year as like a revenge thing, you know, (laughs) because it deserves to be Game of the Year on more people's lists um, because it's just that good. Uh, but, I mean, I would be remiss, you know, not to rank it this highly. It it moved around a little bit as I was thinking about it, but I think that just the combination of it being such a genuinely good game and, you know, me enjoying the time that I spent with it, like, I I had to put it at least my number two, and so it's my number two game of the year. Nice. Yeah, I think it's impressive that, like, I don't,
0: like, I have not... spoken to a single person that has played Hades and not like you know, <laughs> Right, yeah, you know? exactly. And not not had not had a kind of a blast with it. Like like we actually we have actually had people like we've we've had a listener be like, hey, I don't really like roguelites. Can <laughs> can you tell me right. what the big deal is with Hades? And we're like, oh yeah, like it it kind of subverts the the roguelike grind and experience in these ways and makes it more palatable. And, you know, they're like, okay, I'll give it a try. And then, like, two weeks later, it's like, hey, I fucking love this game, thanks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think that's just kind of incredible that, like, that people that don't really like the kind of game Hades is still like Hades. Yes. You know, they still come away having a good time. Lee, I feel like you're one of those people.
1: I am one of those people. I don't like roguelikes. I don't like dying in games. <laughs> I love Hades.
0: yeah uh and i'm sure we'll talk a- more about that uh fairly shortly uh but i i it's cool to see Hades so high on the list for you <laughs> i felt like it probably wouldn't reach number 1 sure. but it, uh but it's cool that it's this high um cool good lee mm-hmm. uh through process of elimination i think i know your number 2 but why don't you just share it with the class
1: my number 2 appropriately His life is strange, too. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Wow. Cool. Wow. Your second favorite game of the year, huh? Yep. Yeah. Cool.
1: So when me and Daniel started the game, I wanted so bad to talk about it last year. Mm -hmm. And it was the (laughs) whole reason that we changed some guidelines and why it's now on this one.
0: Yeah, it was was a reason. Ultimate was another one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, Life is Strange holds a very sentimental place in my heart, because I was playing it at a point where it was a really welcome story for me, and I thought the mechanics were cool, the story was good, uh, dialogue was a little weird, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) but whatever. And then we played Before the Storm, and that was really good, too. Mm -hmm. So when Life is Strange 2 was announced, I was so ready to delve into this. And the fact that it's a story about two brothers really messes me up because (laughs) (laughs) in a lot of media, if there's a story involving two brothers, it will almost always break my heart. Sure, It's just a trope I really like. It's really emotional for me. I have a younger brother who means the world to me, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this game definitely hit where it hurts, <laughs> but in good ways.
2: Right.
0: Is supernatural partially responsible for this? No, God, no! Okay. How right, dare well, you? Yeah. Well, you you used to be a super like Don't pretend <laughs> that you didn't. <laughs>
1: I was definitely I, more on the Hulak side of things than the Super. I guess I guess
0: it's fair, but there was some Super, right?
1: I watched the first season and then I stopped.
0: Okay, alright. I was under the impression you were more into Supernatural than that. Not really. Okay, I guess that's well, fine. I can know a lot about
1: mm-hmm. Supernatural, but not by choice.
0: <laughs> you really wanted Dean to bone that angel or whatever.
1: Oh my god.
0: Did I mess that no, up? No,
1: you didn't.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. It
1: was a good ship, but I hadn't even met that angel character yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dang, okay. Wow, all right. Cool. Anyways. Um, anyways.
1: <laughs> unlocked my deep dark past. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, mm. I think this is a really good story about brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm especially the risks it took telling this story, because it's more specifically a story about two POC brothers Mm -hmm. whose dad gets shot by a police officer and dies. And the younger brother, Daniel, has superpowers and ends up kind of messing stuff up. (laughs) And the police officer dies. And the neighbor kind of witnesses this hmm. and blames it on them. And they're like, oh, you killed the cop because you're POC.
3: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So unfortunately, they have to take off and kind of be on the run for the entire story. And Dan- uh, Daniel's the younger brother, and Sean is the older brother. <laughs>
0: So, sidebar. This was a fun game to play in this household, <laughs> uh, just because, like, uh, there there were a lot, <laughs> there were a lot of points, especially like you know, Sean wasn't always in the room, right? Um, when we were playing this game, off he often was not around. Uh, but for me in particular, like. <laughs> Lee would be like, Daniel, come over here! And i would be like, but I'm right next... Oh, right. <laughs> right. Right, you're talking to Sean's little brother, Daniel. Right. Uh, Sean Diaz's little brother, Daniel Diaz. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Lee noticed, it, noticed that this was happening to me so often that they started doing this on purpose near <laughs> <laughs> the tail end of the game. They would just yell Daniel's name because... Because they wanted to see me like perk up for a second and then deflate when I realized that I was not the Daniel to whom they were referring. Right.
4: It
1: was a lot of fun because uh, I'd just be like, Daniel? <laughs> and then my fiance know. would turn around and be like, What? Uh, <laughs> I was like, No, no, in game
0: Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is like if if i'm not engaged enough in the game all, all they needed to say was daniel They're like oh
1: you would disassociate on your phone sometimes
0: i would i would I, I have adhd but uh but yeah i just now to demonstrate i swiveled my head over to the left in real life but no one, no one <laughs> i'm it. sorry anyway Um.
1: there's a lot of risks this game takes as telling the story of two poc brothers who are on the run Um, they're specifically mixed mexican and white their dad is Mm -hmm. mexican their mom is white Mm -hmm. their mom hasn't been in the picture since daniel was born basically right so sean remembers her but daniel doesn't I think it's really interesting the story directions that it takes because we're following two homeless Mexican brothers who are trying to be safe and make a life for
0: themselves. This also takes place, uh, like explicitly, it takes place from. Uh, from 2016 to 2017, like specifically, <laughs> right. like it specifically starts like right before Trump gets elected, and like you know, and the story proceeds uh to happen like during the beginning of his presidency, mm-hmm. and uh you know there are moments, and uh, and you you never you never hear or see the name Trump in game, but there are. Events and characters <laughs> that clearly <Yeah>. are influ- <laughs> that clearly are meant to be indicative of, you know, Trump era America. Mm-hmm. Um they they are not subtle, one bit about that. Uh and that that is a I'm saying that as a positive, yes. just to be super clear. Yeah. yeah.
1: For sure. There's a lot of references to the political climate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And You know, you also have a kid, Daniel, who has superpowers that he's trying to learn as the story goes on. And Sean is trying to train him. And a lot of the choices you make in the story, are you going to teach Daniel to be careful and wary of his powers? Or are you going to let him have free reign? You know, is he going to be chaotic neutral is he gonna be chaotic good like
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah is he gonna be lawful good like you um you uh also on top of that like not only like um you not only kind of try to teach him how to use his powers but kind of uh a lot of the choices you make in the game are um like in life is strange one, like, you would make a lot of choices, and, like, they would kind of affect how things played sure. out, right? Like, uh you would pay more attention to one character, and that might help you to save them later, and that kind of thing. Um The choices in this game are really interesting because a lot of them uh, affected the kind of person that Daniel would become. Mm-hmm. Like, not, like not even just like things you would do to Daniel or with Daniel but things you would do that are unrelated to Daniel <laughs> that Daniel would observe and then follow your right. example uh yeah i i feel like we're at least in light spoiler territory for life is strange 2 at this right. point um there's uh there's a sequence early early on there's a sequence in the first chapter where uh you kids are broke already and uh the two of you go into a gas station um, and you can choose to like pretty much starve uh, on your budget of like $3, Uh like, you know, buy yourself and Daniel, like the cheapest, like ramen pack you can (laughs) find uh, and, and just like make do with that. Or, uh, while while the you know while the owners of the gas station aren't looking, you can choose to to steal some some food. So you, so Daniel, your growing boy of a little brother, can can eat better. Uh-huh. Um, if you choose to steal, Daniel will become a little kleptomaniac <laughs> later in the game <laughs> because you know like y- you've you're teaching without saying anything. You're teaching him that like. It's it's okay to steal right. uh if if the situation calls for it. So later, like a guy a guy like helps the two of you and if you if you have stolen in front of Daniel, he'll just steal shit from that guy's <laughs> car, and be like, What? Right. <laughs> yeah. What you you stole, I can't I steal. And like there's there's all sorts of shit like that. You can kind of affect whether like whether Daniel ends up swearing a right. lot, you know, and that kind of thing. Um
1: and like it's cool because when you make those decisions part of the story is that sean tells daniel's story about two wolf brothers Mm. and similar to in life a strange one like a little butterfly will pop up and be like this action has consequences (laughs) right Mm -hmm. uh in this game the decision you make in the bottom right corner there's a big wolf and a little wolf. Mm.
0: Yeah, you'll see an animation of the two of them running. Right.
1: And it highlights which choice you made, like who it benefits.
0: Okay. Yeah, or like who it affects. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So if you do something that will kind of affect the way Daniel behaves in the future, you'll it will focus on the little wolf running in the in the animation. Right, right. Yeah.
1: So Sean is sixteen and Daniel is nine. So Daniel's yeah. kind of a little rascal anyways, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, he's a little shit sometimes, but but great.
1: So him having these powers is kind of hard, because you're playing as Sean, the 16-year-old other right. older brother, who's trying to figure out, you know, like, I gotta find food for us, I gotta find drink, shelter... And I have to make sure that Daniel's using his powers correctly. You know? And it's up to you what is the correct way for him to use his powers. And a lot of the time when he's telling Daniel a story about the two wolf brothers, he refers to cops as the hunters. (laughs) Which I think is really bold.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, to call cops, hunters in a video game is just such a bold choice, I think, especially when the main characters are POC. But I think it's also important because that's part of the whole message of Life is Strange too, is that life as a POC is so incredibly fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not easy. They don't have privilege. They've got to work ten times harder. Like, you're viewed and stereotyped a certain way. Like, multiple times in the story, we run into white people who are just so incredibly racist mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sean yeah. and Daniel. There's
0: there's a sequence uh, in Chapter 4 that's uh, really difficult to experience. Uh, it's, uh, it's also, like, it's just so... Uh, so crazy of, of the development team to even try this in, in a cool way Mm -hmm. Um, that like there, there's basically like a sequence where uh, you know, you are harassed by some, some very like, you know, some, some big old Trump racist. Mm -hmm. Right. And any decision you make, that scene will not go off well for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you can, uh, basically, like your choices basically, like, boil down to you standing up for yourself in this situation and getting the shit, like, kicked out right. of you and getting fucking wrecked. Or you can choose to swallow your pride and just, like, just be, just let yourself be treated like an animal. Right, right. And, um, uh, and like just deal with like the psychological stress and and despair of that, you know? Like th- that that's the situation you were stuck in. We we chose to like stand up for ourselves in kind of a, a, a pacifistic, nonviolent way, and that still ended yeah. badly, you know? Um yeah. yeah, like Oh, that uh It was rough. Yeah. Yeah, like that that was so rough and like, you know, I I don't think the execution of that was like was like perfect. It kind of like it was kind of a simple version of like that dilemma. Um but it the message they were trying to deliver I think was crystal clear and it's a real message that needs to be delivered, you know, that like there's all this admonishment from groups of people for People of color not handling their oppression the right way. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and this game uh, very firmly takes a stance that, like, there is n- no right way. You're, like, no matter your choice, yeah. you're going to... You're going... That's, like, that's something that you're going to be put through. So, like... <laughs> So, like, I wish people would, like, I wish those people would play this game, just be like, fuck you, there is no right way, look at this, look at this game, you you will learn this like you are a baby, (laughs) you know, like, oh, man, yeah, uh, that was kind of a depressing night, like, when we played that, but uh, Dontnod was really trying something there, they are really trying to deliver a message there, and I, I think that's... I think the bravery of trying to deliver that particular message in this particular social climate, uh, when you will, you know, be called performative or like, or making your games political, right. like just for putting a black person mm-hmm. in it or a gay person, like this game is actually political yeah. and like for good reason.
2: I think that a lot of what you were saying also ties into what I really appreciated about the game as someone who experienced it much more passively. You know, I just saw you guys playing it sometimes and this is something I know I've talked to both of you about. I, I I might've also mentioned it on a podcast at one point. Uh, You know, I think that um, video games just are art. And I think that uh, one of the things that, A good piece of art does is it makes you experience at least one particular emotion and you know comedies make you happy they make you laugh dramas make you sad horror makes you scared but the art can cause you to experience a really wide range of emotions and they're not always positive or fun and sometimes that's part of the experience and I think that Life is Strange 2 is so bold in its choice as a video game, and video games are so often written off as just kind of like popular entertainment, to make the choice to make you feel, you know, uh, upset or frustrated or even like... There are parts of the game where, like, you're just walking, and it seems like you'll never stop walking because you have so far to go. Or, you know, you're holed up in this horrible place, and you're doing a really menial task, and you as a player are, like, bored. And, you know, (laughs) the game is... It's not because the game is poorly designed. Don't Not is making a decision to make you feel that way on purpose so that you yeah. develop yeah. a sense of empathy or become more engaged in the story or you really feel what the brothers are experiencing on some level. And I think that a game, you know, kind of like uh saying to its player like no you're not supposed to enjoy this part you know yeah <laughs> i mean that's, that's a hell of a thing for a video game to do and life is strange 2 does it so many times so effectively um that yeah. that to me even though i didn't play it that was what impressed me the most about just the artistry of life is strange 2
4: for
1: sure i think one of the biggest themes is hardship just hardship yeah. that poc face on an, yeah. a day-to-day basis And I think it does a really good job of displaying that through being homeless, through the police brutality, through being stereotyped and viewed in different ways. Even through, like, each chapter displays a different way that POC get just absolutely fucked over.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) And I think the coolest thing about this game is that your choices really, really do matter. Because your final choice is actually influenced by how you treated Daniel and the choices you made in front of him the entire story.
4: Hmm.
1: He has like a morality, um, like meter, like you don't physically see it. But depending on the choices you made, that makes his morality higher or lower And that changes the outcome of the choice you make.
0: Yeah, like. (laughs) Like, there's. Like, in the last. In the first Life of Strange game, there's like two. There's two different endings based on kind of a final decision you make. In Life of Strange 2, there's more than two endings because it's based on the decision you make, but also the decision that Daniel makes Mm -hmm. and the, and Daniel makes that decision on his own (laughs) based on how you've raised him through the past five chapters. Uh, and that like life is strange 2 cracked my top five because like Daniel's morality mechanic (laughs) is like one of the best things that I've seen in a narrative game ever. It's so well done. Um, it's so well implemented and it feels like it really matters. And, they they do such cool things with it, like like it's it's not just like a kind of a static like meter that like goes goes up and down. Right? It's like oh, like fifty percent right. of the things you did make Daniel good. No, like uh, there's a lot of like early installation of value sure. for Daniel, right? Like if if you don't teach him what things are right in like the first three chapters, you'll tell him like things are wrong in like the fourth and fifth chapters, and he just won't fucking listen, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh. Like, it's such a great, like, narrative and mechanical concept that uh, they use in such cool ways. Ways that, like, ways that feel satisfying or frustrating from a gameplay per- sure. perspective, but also ways that can really hurt you or make you feel things from a story right. perspective. Um, yeah.
1: It's just so good.
0: Yeah. And like you know we won't, we don't want to go into too many spoilers but there's just so many things about the game that like that like keep with the theme of there being like no true like sure happiness for a person of color in America you know like there's there's always going to be ways that white supremacy compromises that right um yeah it's a uh, it's wild that that's a video game, but it's like the fact that someone actually went no let's make let's make a video game about this. This doesn't have to be an oscar winning movie sure or, uh, or like a or like a really thick ass book you know <laughs> like uh it's it's kind of incredible that they chose this medium to tell the story and and uh you know, I think it's kind of a necessary story to tell right now, yeah um even even though there are problems with it, like yeah. um, you know, I don't think all the execution of it is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh and and some of the dissonance is actually really funny because like uh some of the racist people you deal with in the game, people like that really exist. I've seen these people. Sure. Right. Uh but like like sometimes these people seem like so cartoonishly evil. <laughs> like <laughs> Like, pe- people like this really exist, and yet experiencing them, people people in that game acting accurately, <laughs> like, sometimes, like, I just sat back and was like, this is too unrealistic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, this, is, uh, this is, these guys are cartoony, like, a real person would never act like this when, in fact, like, you scroll down Twitter for, like, seven minutes, and you realize that you're wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's weird in that way. Sometimes the writing feels bad, but it's actually kind of accurate. I,
2: I think that, you know, we we just have different expectations for fiction than we do for real life. Like it's been so often mm-hmm. said, for instance, about, you know, the most recent previous presidency of the United States that it feels like, you know... Like, if this were uh, a a TV drama, it would be, you know, derided as being horribly written, and yet it's really happening, right? This is, like, almost the reverse, right? Like, you are incorporating (laughs) elements of real racism that really exist in the United States, and yet they feel so extreme for a piece of fiction uh, that there's kind of a dissonance that's a little jarring. Um, and I mean, I think it's important for, you know, people to understand that, you know, yes, people really are that racist and they really exist out there in the world, but I definitely get what you mean when you say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the game's a little too mean to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's a little too mean. Like, sometimes, like, it will reward you for making bad decisions <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And, uh, and one thing I really missed from the first game, uh, Life is Strange 1 also has one of my favorite narrative mechanics in any, like, you know, narratively focused video mm-hmm. game, which is the, the time manipulation mechanic, sure. because you can make a wrong decision in Life is Strange 1, or you can, like, a lot of narrative games have kind of the problem where it's, like, <laughs> the the glass him problem, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Uh, from from Wolf Among Us, where it's like, oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a nice little glass uh, of of whiskey, and then like Big B picks up the glass and smashes <laughs> it over the dude's right. head, right? Like, like if you make a decision like that in Life is Strange One, you can rewind time and make a different decision because that's not the decision you meant to yeah. make, right? Um, incredible, such good game design. Even if it's kind of a side effect of the story they wanted to tell. Life is Strange Too, maybe not to the same extent as Glass Him, does have Glass Him problems sometimes, sure. where you have a dialogue option and Sean says it differently than you think he yeah. would. And now Daniel's scarred for life. <laughs> uh yeah, like it it just has that very common like, you know, narrative game problem, but it was it's a little more frustrating because that was a problem that Life is Strange One managed to fix. Sure, but I do also commend them for not doing a time travel story again.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a nice change. Yeah, good story.
0: Good story. Yeah, good good pick, Lee. Good pick. good pick. Good pick. Yeah, like talking about it more actually like makes me wish I put Life is Strange Two up a little higher, but I think Four is a good spot for it too. I agree. So
1: what is your number two?
0: My number two is
2: Thirteen Sentinels Aegis Rim. Fucking nice. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you wound up enjoying it that much. I was really wondering if it would be on your top fives and where it would be on your top fives. So this is cool for me.
0: Yeah, no, um, you know, it's got problems. Yes. And and the like I think it could have been my number one actually without those problems. Yeah, that's fair. Um there are a lot of ways where like, God, I got so invested in the story uh and in these characters, mm-hmm. and uh I got I got s- <laughs> some of the developments in the game are so cool and other developments in the game are so disappointing yes, um mm-hmm. and some and sometimes the just the bad taste of those disappointments just resonated so much that like that I just I couldn't bring myself mm-hmm. to give it number one, sure um but yes uh 13 sentinels is a really incredible experience like yeah. it does uh like it tells a story that i've never experienced in a video game it with a format that i've never experienced in a video game mm-hmm. um and it really feels like just a, an incredibly fresh take on the visual novel genre yeah and i even had fun with the combat uh <laughs> i feel like i feel like people like mainly love 13 sentinels for like you know the story mm-hmm. which is fair Um, but I actually had a lot of fun with kind of the, uh, the real-time, the real-time with pause kind of tactical, uh, tactical combat where we're like, you know, you control these different units and use different abilities with different mechs. I also really loved the way that, like, all the progression fed into all of the other progression. Mm -hmm. Like, uh... Like, doing combat helps you unlock things in the narrative part of the game, and doing things in the narrative part of the game uh, gave you resources that you could feed into uh, your character's combat abilities. Like, it created, like, a, for the most part, a pretty good loop of, like, you know, uh, it makes sure you're not playing one mode for too long. actually Eventually yes. you, you uh, eventually end up hopping back into a different uh, mode and... Uh, yeah like real good i I have a feeling that uh that the most we should talk about this is coming very <laughs> shortly. um can't imagine why you would think that day <laughs> <laughs> uh but y- yes i did I did really have a good time with it um just some really great character moments Some really like the uh the the way it reveals things uh, mm-hmm. feels really cool. And, like, it was a story that was really, really easy to get really invested in and come up with all these theories. And, like, I think Lee and I called a lot of stuff, and but it didn't feel super predictable at the yes. same time.
2: Um, yeah, I think even in situations where I thought to myself, like, oh, I see where this is going, it felt to me more often satisfying than sort of predictable or cliched. It was like, oh, yeah. I really did solve the mystery, and now that's being borne out. Um, yeah, and that's a good feeling. Yes, uh, I would say there's very few cliches
0: in Thirteen Sentinels, uh, <laughs> but that's not true. There's very few cliches in the narrative of Thirteen right. Sentinels. Yeah, and then and then the characters suffer from maybe a cliche or two. Sure, just just a just a dab of, a dab of cliche <laughs> in this character smorgasbord. Um. Yeah. Okay, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So why is Thirteen Sentinels A Just Ram your number No, sorry, you can
2: you can say it. What well what's your number one? My number one game of the year is Tony Hawk's No, it's Thirteen Sentinels Ram. <laughs> <I knew> it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's Thirteen so I Sentinels. I forgot to about Tony. <laughs> um Yeah, I I am and have been for a long time a fan of Vanillaware, which is the studio that made this game. so i knew i was going to like it like i knew that going in but uh and i mean this is a game that has problems and i'm going to talk about them in a second i don't want you to think that i'm glossing over them by saying this this is a game that has problems and yet at the same time not only do i think it's the best game vanillaware has ever made i think it's like their great american novel as far as video <laughs> games are concerned. I mean, this game blew me away. I was hooked from the beginning, and it was just a wild ride throughout the entire thing. Now, this is a game, uh, as we've discussed before, that has um, what we, you know, sometimes characterize as sort of problems that are, are common to a lot of um, Japanese kind of animated and video game media, right? Uh, the, I mean, there are many moments throughout this game where, uh, kids, you know, uh, are sexualized, like, like teenage, like high school age children, um, you know, at at one point or another, like whether it's, um, so to, to, to kind of broadly discuss the structure of the game, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim is, uh. You know, it's set in 1980s Japan, and it is about um, 13 uh, teenagers who uh, have the ability to summon giant mecha that they use to fight off uh, an enemy uh, that you learn more about as you progress through the story. And uh, one thing about the mecha is that whenever the teenagers go into the mecha, they are naked on the inside of it. Uh, for whatever reason, they, they lose their clothing, and it's, <laughs> like, you you kind of see the male characters from the shoulders up, and then all of the female characters are just in the most ridiculous, like, Catwoman-in-the-90s poses, <laughs> you know, where, where, where you kind of see as much of their body as you can see without the game being rated adults-only, right? Like. Yep there uh there's there there are just elements like that throughout the game that definitely left a bad taste in my mouth, to put it mildly, right?, um, yeah. they felt unnecessary and gratuitous, and I did not like them. I think that also uh and this is a uh, frustration that I uh have also experienced in the persona franchise, there's a lot of flirtation with the idea of LGBTQ representation that winds up <laughs> feeling half-assed. Uh, you know, by, very well by, worded by, there. Yeah. by <laughs> yeah. the time that you get through the game, like there's there's moments that make you feel almost hopeful that things might progress beyond what you've come to expect from a lot of Japanese media that kind of represents or seems to represent uh, LGBT characters or relationships. And then uh, I would say that more often than not throughout, my hopes were dashed, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it turned yep. out that they were just leading me along. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that... <laughs> I expected nothing and I was still like... <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I think that for me, those are the two central problems that I had with the narrative and the presentation of the game. And they're big problems, and I don't want to yeah. minimize those problems. Um, but having said all of that, there is so much to love about this game if you can kind of recognize that those are problematic elements, but, but, uh, you know, kind of play through the rest of it in, not in spite of them, but, uh, you know, without them driving you away entirely. Um, yeah, I, I do, I do think that, you know, uh, we,
0: we've said this before, but I, I think it's important to repeat that you can. You can't enjoy something with problematic elements, yes just as long as you recognize that the elements are problematic as yes. long as as long as you try not to get into a mindset where where you love this thing, so the stuff that's bad is excusable the, right like the like the goodness of something doesn't negate the badness yes yeah. like they can they can coexist and you can still love the goodness while while condemning the badness um, exactly,
2: yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, you're both more than welcome to continue that conversation after I'm done with my little screed here, but that's that's about the extent to which I wanted to discuss those. I wanted to make sure that they were well covered, but, you know, this game is my number one and there are many reasons for that, right? And I, I do also want to devote some time to, to talking about the game's positive aspects. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as as Daniel was saying earlier, um, 13th Sentinel's Aegis Rim it's essentially kind of a genre mashup of two very different kinds of game. Um, on the one hand you are playing through kind of a, a beautiful, you know, hand drawn visual novel experience, uh, where you play as 13 characters, uh, in 1980s Japan who kind of uncover this absolute mindfuck of a plot, um, that ought to be completely incomprehensible, And yet the way that you are kind of led through all the twists and turns is just so well done that even though you have the option, you know, with some gates so that you don't kind of learn too much too quickly to play as whichever character you want in whatever order you want, um, you still come out of it on the other side having essentially an understanding of what happened and how the game concluded and yeah the the fact that the game
0: is mostly non-linear yeah like the game with a story that fucking nuts is is mostly non-linear and it still makes sense at the end that's that's some mind-boggling storytelling I will never be that good of a storyteller. no I
2: mean it's a fucking achievement like the 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 amount of freedom that they give you to experience the story in whatever order you would like it's not complete freedom but it's enough that it it really is astonishing that like i like i know for instance that daniel and lee prioritize the stories of characters that were very different to the characters that I focused in on. And yet we both came out of the at the end knowing what the fuck had happened. Like that is, I mean it's it is a remarkable kind of interweaving of these narratives uh, that is truly incredible to experience. Um, and each story manages to feel really different and really unique in a way that almost defies the format of a visual novel. Like there are some more straightforward, you know, storylines where you're just kind of talking to people and experiencing the story in a in a relatively linear way. There are some that are almost more like puzzles where you're going in and uncovering it bit by bit depending on what you do and having to make the right decisions at the right times. There are stories that almost have elements of like other kinds of games like courtroom dramas or or kind of like almost like more of a LucasArts experience where you need to find the right items or the right keywords to progress. Uh, I mean, just the the variety in the visual novel segments alone is impressive. And I think that if that's what, even if that was what all the game was, I would still have really enjoyed myself. But the other element to it is the the actual mech battles, which are almost like, real-time strategy but but kind of like active time battle right almost like classic final fantasy where like when it's your turn time freezes and you have the opportunity to figure out what you want to do yeah and it definitely started off i think because it wasn't very challenging at the outset just feeling like a sort of a story gate like okay i have to play through these combats and then i'll get to find out what's going on in the visual novel segments but yeah. over time, as more strategic options and upgrades for the mechs became available to me, and as the enemies became more difficult, um, I started to enjoy the combat so much that I got locked out of progressing the combat because I had to do more story, <laughs> 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 which was very cool. Um, yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, they they really do make combat like really satisfying, like from the middle point forward. Yes, like, exactly. Once once you get enough upgrades for your characters, like I had like uh i had this character with an ability called demolisher blade and yeah, <laughs> yeah and that specific character had like upgrades to demolisher blade like specific to him mm-hmm. uh so like i i just pumped all my points in those upgrades <laughs> and then like he just runs into waves of energy he just runs into waves of enemies right and just tears those entire waves apart Mm -hmm. by doing, like, hundreds of thousands of points (laughs) of damage to each like, and like, it was uh, like, it felt so good. It
2: felt so good to, like, make that build. Another thing that I really liked about the combat is that your characters kind of get Special skills based on their personality that activate at certain yes. times, almost oh, like potentials yes. in uh, in uh, Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, so, that's, that's a good. So, as 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 a hypothetical example, if you had a character who was a real loner, they might have a skill called like "Leave Me Alone," where if they are far right. away from their group, they get some kind of benefit. Right. like All of your characters kind of get developed perks like that as they progress that allow them to thrive in certain combat scenarios based on what you know about them from having played the visual novel segments or about their relationships with their characters. It kind of all ties in in a really interesting way it does yeah and really like i loved
0: unlocking those bits be- uh not because like they offered much mechanical benefit because oftentimes those benefits were very situational yes yeah, yeah. uh but because like it kind of showed off a new aspect of that character yeah. and uh and like some some of them were actually like just like they were j- they're just like character traits like they're just like they're just skill names, and some of them like actually like kind of tugged at our heartstrings. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. like some of them were actually like like just skill names <laughs> evoked in emotion right. from yeah. us. Yeah. Like, what what game does that? You know, like
1: sometimes we'd get one and we'd be like, oh, and then sometimes
2: mm. we'd get one, and it would be like,
3: oh, <laughs> 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 it's yeah. it's so fun.
2: But yeah, I you know, I mean, as I said at the outset. I'm already a VanillaWare fan. I went into this game knowing that I would enjoy it. And, I mean, obviously, you know, I finished this game relatively recently, uh, so there's still time for my thoughts about it to kind of settle. This might be one of my all-time favorite experiences in gaming. I don't know exactly where it ranks, but it might have cracked my top ten. I mean, I just thought that this was such a cool and well-executed and unique experience in spite of its flaws, which, again, I do not want to minimize in any way. Like, you should be aware of what you're getting into when you play this game, but I think that if it's the kind of game that you think that you will like, and if you think that you can recognize that there are problematic elements, but still, you know, kind of play through the game at your own pace, I mean, it's it. there is no other game that is quite or even remotely like 13 sentinels aegis rim and it's such an experience that i think that you know if if it sounds like it's up your alley i i i can't recommend it enough i had such a good time with 13 sentinels aegis rim and it's absolutely uh the best game that i played in 2020
0: nice yeah you you cover a lot of the stuff that i really like about it and and a lot of the stuff that i don't (laughs) um like there there are there are just some character arcs like like spe- specifically like there are so many characters in this game we thought were just going to be like canonically gay by yes. the end right mm-hmm. um the <laughs> there there was uh one of the one of the female characters in the game like Like me and Lee kept going, like, "Wow, she really loves this girl," (laughs) and there is no heterosexual explanation for the way she's treating this other character. And then at the end, we were like, "Wow, turns out there was a heterosexual explanation, and it's terrible." Yeah, yeah. (laughs) without giving too much away, like that was an actual conversation we Um, had. Yeah, Um, and
1: like, there's a character who cross dresses mm -hmm. and says Mm. that. They just don't fit into certain binaries.
2: Some binaries yeah. suit me, but others don't. Exactly. the way uh, they put Yes. It.
1: And instead of, like, exploring much of that at all, they're just like, we're going to use he, him pronouns.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. Like, <laughs> and you can
1: be non-binary and use he, him mm-hmm. pronouns. You can do that. But I don't think that's what the game is doing. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. So it was
1: kind of frustrating. And yeah. a lot of girl characters seemed very queer baby. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit. Yeah. But there were some points where it was very like, oh, that character is bisexual. There's no other way to read this. Which was <laughs> nice.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh one one thing like so what, one thing that was really frustrating about this game is not just that like it sexualized teens but it it tries to actually justify that sexualization in the narrative sometimes <laughs> right yeah. like it's right, it, like it's like oh it's okay because x or mm-hmm. because y and, and i i guess it's hard to avoid mild spoilers here so uh i'll i'll have a time set for the conclusion of this whole discussion i guess sure. or yeah, we're we're talking about our number 1s next yeah uh, I'll, I'll have a time set for that, but uh, this is not the first uh Japanese video game I've played that like asks like it's some big philosophical question, uh, if if our minds are adults, does it matter what age our bodies are? <laughs> yeah. yeah, And the and the answer to that is that that's a gross fucking question. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's. Like, there's, it's astonishing to me how many Japanese-made stories try to present that as some big Mm -hmm. philosophical question when there's no, there's never going to be a real-world application for that. Right, (laughs) Like, you know, there's, like, it's, that's just not, oh, it's, it's, it's so so gross. Like, it's Mm -hmm. so gross. And the, the fact that they tried to pull that really kind of deterred a lot of my enjoyment of this game. Um, sure but um some really incredible sci-fi stories are told in this like yes. it's it's cool to see like i uh, it's cool to see anime games do sci-fi and it's like like <laughs> gundam's a thing daniel right. <laughs> uh, but i think like you know these these big sci-fi stories that kind of explore like time travel and like uh, and like clones and mm-hmm. and robots and things, right? Like, uh, like it's
2: it's cool to see anime do sci-fi specifically that is this cerebral and this weird. Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. Like, and uh, Ghost in the Shell is a thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this isn't the first time that anime has done this, but but yeah, like this this is definitely a very unique take on all that, and uh, yeah, and that's hard to not appreciate. Like, you know, there's. There are so many things that are disappointing about Thirteen Sentinels. There are so many like problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so many just like tropes that I wish would just like not be in this this kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But uh, happen to be in almost all of these kinds of games. <laughs> um, I think this game to an extent requires a tolerance of that. Um, yes. If you have that tolerance, uh, and you can kind of. Um, and you can kind of enjoy the game for what it is in spite of those problems. I think this is a really incredible experience. I think it's really unfortunate, uh, that there are going to be some people that can't experience a story as cool as this. Yeah. Because they felt the the need, they, they could not stop themselves from including these elements in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, <laughs> that should have been my biggest disappointment. Um, <laughs>
1: I hate stupid (laughs) Japanese anime bullshit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, with a
1: burning passion. Yeah. However, I was able to work past it. Yeah. And it was a really cool story that I end up enjoying a lot. Good. I think the characters are really cool. I think one of my biggest criticisms is that some of the characters are cooler in not their own story, but other characters' <laughs> stories. Yeah. yeah. Which makes me sad, because I want to see that same depth for their own arcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And instead, we kind of get to experience the coolest bits of their stories, but not in theirs. Yeah. Which kind of yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah,
0: like, you'll you'll see someone be, like, a real badass in someone else's story, and then in their own, like, they have no agency, and they kind of, <laughs> any agency they have left is kind of stripped from them, you know? Right, yeah. right.
1: So. I I really like, see, I didn't think I would like the complexity of the story. At one point, I was like, oh, God, there's just so much. How <laughs> am I supposed one. to follow everything? <laughs> this is so annoying. And then the more we played, I was like,
0: oh,
1: oh, that <laughs> happened in that story. And now I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, that feeling is so good.
0: <laughs> it, it is it it feels so good to connect all those dots yeah
1: exactly like connecting the dots making those guesses seeing how everything is unraveling and kind of progressing in other stories and it's cool it's like lost (laughs) you know like Uh, that kind of narrative but
0: yes i get you yeah (laughs) yeah it is it's like
2: anime lost (laughs) <laughs> the two Thank things guys. the two things we love and the two <laughs> things sean hates <laughs> sean likes anime i do i but i don't like lost
1: <laughs> yeah it was just cool to see the characters and their stories and how interwoven they are to each other and also the world around them very very fucking cool
0: yeah yeah so uh i this has been a really long running recording time for us, and mm. I, I know that some of us want to go to bed soon. But, um, d- do we each want to say kind of a favorite character we have in Thirteen Sentinels?
3: Sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. This isn't necessarily my favorite character, uh, but it is in my top three, so I'm going to highlight Nenji Ogata. Ah, yes. Uh, Nenji yes. Ogata is like a delinquent with a fucking pompadour, and he's a <laughs> dumbass but like he, <laughs> but his like like I kind of like he's he's a he's a dumbass with a heart of gold and like and he gets really invested in the people he cares about um and I already liked him for that but once I finally unlocked his story like I we Lee and I just binged that shit we just like <laughs> we just plowed through that story as linearly as we could mm-hmm. uh because like his his arc was like really Fuck! Like it was a really great personal story. It was really cool sci-fi, uh, and it was just like, um, like he he was like in the middle. He's like middle tier for me. But the more like the more I saw of his story, and the more he interacted with a couple of specific characters, mm-hmm. and you got to see sides of him that you didn't before. Uh, yeah, I, he's he's top tier. That <laughs> God is incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh Megami is my best girl.
0: <laughs> yeah, Megami Yakushiji. Mm-hmm.
1: This poor bitch. Like, that's all I can say is she's just <laughs> she has a very good story, sad story. She's very kind and loving and will do anything for love and the people she loves. Very complex, flawed character, but I really love characters like that.
0: Yeah, cool. I actually, uh, Megami is probably my actual favorite character, but I figured that, that Lee would, would maybe talk about her, so sure, she's that's so fair. She's so good, she's so good. Like, I, she's such a cool, tragic character. Um, she's so flawed as a person, but in a really compelling way,
1: exactly.
2: Yeah, I don't want to make this a whole thing. I, she's <laughs> among my least favorite characters in the game. I thought her story was so boring and so frustrating. Um, I think that that was the one chink in the armor of the nonlinear narrative is that I think that if I had played her story earlier, I might have enjoyed it more personally. But because I got to her so late, it was like, okay, you know, all this stuff is happening and it's supposed to be these big reveals, but I already know it because I have played all these other characters' stories. And so your kind of, you know, Naivet just makes you seem like an idiot. And I, oh man, I really was struggling to get through her story. But I'm, I'm glad you both liked it so much. I am <laughs> Thanks, sincerely glad that you both liked it so much. I, 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 can I feel really the did. sincerity. <laughs> no, 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 for real. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, like our our friend Tommy, who we recommended this game to him, and then he beat it before any of us <laughs> in, a, in a matter of days. Uh, also, yeah. really liked Megumi. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I had a rough time with that one. Um, my, I went back and forth a lot on what my favorite character is, but I, I wanted to specifically highlight Natsuno Minami, Uh um, who I think that she was one of the things that drew me into the story was just playing her story because it was like, even if I don't understand what's happening, I'm so invested in this character's journey. <laughs> Natsuno is a member of the track team and she's obsessed with aliens. Like she's the kind of person who would watch like ancient aliens completely unironically and take notes, right? Like she's <laughs> totally into it. She's like the fox moulder of of uh of you know the world of Thirteen Sentinels. And so when all this weird stuff with the mech starts happening, she thinks it's aliens and then kind of like finds this little robot and assumes that she is in the movie et and that the robot is an alien (laughs) and what follows are you know her adventures of continuing to run into evidence that seems to indicate that what's happening is aliens and she's just such a lovable moron that like it's impossible (laughs) not to just enjoy the fuck out of seeing her explore the world and kind of from her perspective Um, I think that for the that was one of the most engaging stories to me. It was just like her kind of looking at everything that's happening with a completely different lens from any other character in the game. It's it's a really great time. That that is a good that is a good perspective on Natsuno. Uh,
0: Natsuno started high on me and Lee's list. Both, Mm -hmm. I think she just kept getting lower. Like the more that it felt (laughs) that she was just like she was just Chie Satanaka from Persona 4, but with aliens. <laughs> like, it, with aliens instead of Kung Fu. Like right. it, I think it felt like that more and more the more that we played through Natsuno's stuff. Which, you know, you can't really go wrong with <laughs> any version of Chie from Persona right. 4. Uh, but I I guess, like, for me at least, maybe I don't want to speak for Lee. Uh, you know, it uh, it, it felt kind of lacking. It felt like I had... I'd seen this character before, and there were sure. several characters that felt like newer and fresher to me. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. What well, What about you, Lee? Agree, disagree?
1: Yeah, like Natsuno was just sipping dumb bitch juice the entire time, <laughs> 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 and like I don't know. I I think I wanted something more from her yeah, besides yeah. like aliens. <laughs> I like aliens. Aliens. <laughs> I guess,
2: like for me, like
0: somebody's a Photoshop not to
2: know. I did that,
0: that uh, right, the guy guy. with the hair. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think for me, like there were already so many stories that had like all this kind of level of depth or tragedy to them or whatever it was nice I really to just have enjoyed. one dumbass. yeah it was right it was great to just watch like happy go lucky Natsuno stumbling through the events of 13 sentinels Aegis room with none of the gravitas or you know kind of seriousness that uh, so occupied so many other narratives um, it was it was a really nice kind of break for me from everything else that was going on yeah, that that's respectable. Cool. <laughs> I'm I'm just remembering hamburger. <laughs> I, I feel like we don't have time to talk about hamburger. No, but yeah. Um, but but play pl- play this game, people. If you if you think you'd like it, if you think that you can tolerate the problems that we've enumerated, play this game. I encourage you to play this game. That said, uh, Lee, what's your number one? My number one is Hades, <laughs> and my number one is Hades. Yeah, Ooh, yep, yep,
1: copycat.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll pick a new one. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Can't forget about y- Tony.
0: <laughs> <laughs> copycat. I have one who showed you this game. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's yeah it's it's fucking good. Like.
1: Yeah. I don't like roguelikes. I don't like games where I die a lot or where I have to be super skilled enough to beat it. I hate games like that. Hades feels so different Mm -hmm. (laughs) from games like that that I obviously love it enough to put it as my number one spot. Game of the year 2020. There's so many cool things about Hades That I could write an entire essay on it, (laughs) but I won't. (laughs) But I think the way that they pull off dying as a mechanic doesn't feel as frustrating Mm -hmm. or humiliating or just kind of like, oh, great. Now I have to start again (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you get to unlock unique and different dialogues every time. You will always have a new interaction of some sort. And I fucking love that. It low key rewards you for dying so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, like, thank God. Because (laughs) currently, I'm on, like, attempt 50 something. I still have not beaten (laughs) the game. (laughs) I keep getting stuck in Elysium. Mm -hmm. I get so close.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And I just keep dying. It's always against the, uh, Theseus and Asterius.
2: Uh Yeah.
1: But I fucking love this game.
2: Yeah. No, they're they're like, sometimes if I'm having a bad run, I'll think to myself like, well, this is shit. But at least when I die, I'll get to have a new interaction with mythological or historical Greek figure X. You know, (laughs) who's in the house of Hades. Like, I look forward to dying if her run is going poorly. Um, Yeah. And and that's that's it's. I mean, the fact that. This game was able to achieve that is really remarkable. I think, yeah, yeah the, like, ha- like Hades. I think even if you can kind
0: of say that, like, oh, like m- maybe this game was was better than Hades in this way or that way. Hades has the best game design of any game in twenty twenty. Like, yeah. I'm including blockbuster games that we haven't played in that. Sure. Oh yeah, by the way, we uh we we didn't. If you're wondering where like. Last of Us Part Two right. is we none of us played it. Yeah. I I don't think it would be on our list if we had, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um but like uh we, we missed a, a a handful of like big games this year. Yeah. Um and yet as you can see we still played many games. <laughs> yes, we still played a buttload. Uh but yeah, as as we were all saying.
1: Yeah. Hades just felt so satisfying to me and it just felt nice to be able to die in the game and then come back and be greeted by Hypnos Mm -hmm. and have cool, fun interactions with characters. I love each and every character. I love their dialogue. I love the social aspect of it. I like the different weapons. God, there's just so much that makes it fun and interesting and it doesn't get old to me. Yeah, And it's also satisfying for casual players like me who aren't super skilled when it comes to strategy or hand-eye, car- uh, hand-eye coordination. <laughs> and every time I play, the farther I get, it feels like a benchmark for me. Yeah. And like I'm actually making progress. And it feels good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really wowed at how they like how they a like kind of took the best parts of all of their other games and like mixed them together. Um mm-hmm. like I loved Pyre before this. I did I never really got on board with uh Transistor or Bastion. Like sure. I like them con I like their aesthetic, I like them conceptually, but like I playing them was just not fun to me. Sure. Um the the very little that like I experienced of both gameplays. Um Pyre, I fucking loved. I loved the visual novel <laughs> stuff. I loved the fucking Blitzball. Uh-huh. Um, so when Hades was actually like, "Oh, hey, it's another kind of, uh, kind of isometric roguelike, like, uh, like Bastion and Transistor kind of were," I was kind of like let down, like, "Oh man, mm-hmm. they're going, they're going back to it." But uh, Hades manages to feel really different than any other of those games from a gameplay perspective, and. Uh, and yeah, the gameplay loop is just incredibly satisfying. Like, even if you have bad runs, mm. you get to experience more story. And when you, and when you have good runs, you get to experience more story. Like the there's so much like dialogue that like builds the world with all these inc- like all these kind of minor characters. Yeah. Um, like. Uh, like if you're the kind of person that gets like hooked on a world like Hades is so good at getting you hooked on its world, um, because it's also a world that's like kind of familiar, right? Because everyone, <laughs> you know, you like you know
2: at least a little bit about Greek stories, but like and and to but like it's... uh just sorry to jump back a little bit, like you were saying, kind of when it got revealed, you were disappointed. I similarly sort of saw the reveal trailer and thought to myself, like, "God, are we really doing the Greek gods again? Even God of War <laughs> isn't doing the Greek gods anymore." You know, <laughs> like I was, I was kind of disappointed that, yeah. that that was the story they were choosing to tell. That's um, that's that's
0: kind of funny because when I saw, I was like, "Oh, you're doing Greek stories, huh?" Like, it's. Like, it's funny because, like, they I think they waited just the right amount of time for, like, (laughs) Greek stories to go, like, back out of vogue, right? Mm, Okay. Because you're right, like, even God of War is not doing Greek anymore. Yeah. Uh, God of War is doing Norse, and everyone's fucking doing Norse right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. Like, everyone's, everyone's going fucking Norse. Like, it's probably Marvel's fault. But on the other hand, like like the the most greek thing we've seen lately is like wonder woman right Right. Um, and that felt fresh somehow because <laughs> because there there wasn't enough greek stuff for a while so like i think they picked a really good time to do hades because not only is it is it greek when it's the, when we haven't been oversaturated with greek for a bit Um, but it's also a really fun take on a lot of Greek mythology. They have some really cool, unique spins on it, Um, and they have some great character designs for these Greek staples. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, and really, I I think we're just about, like, I think by the end of 2022, we'll all be tired of Greek again (laughs) because, like, uh, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, and shit, like, followed right on its heels, you know? Um, But, yeah, I, I think Hades is, like, phenomenal timing uh, because it takes like it takes these things that were trends but haven't been for a bit and then it like brings some kind of like brings the parts of it that are good back or they take things that are currently trends currently like popular like like roguelikes but takes the part of them that we're all getting tired of and like flips them on their head <laughs> right um th- like it's it's also smart game design yeah and uh Like, I'm, it's, like, out of all the games on the list, I'm, like, I'm almost more in awe of the way this game was made, Mm -hmm. and the thought that put in, the thought that was put into the making of this game, than I am with the game itself. Like, (laughs) I, like, I think, I think subjectively, I probably had, like... I was probably more invested in the playing of 13 Sentinels: Aegis Rim than I was in the playing of Hades. Sure. But Hades manages to be such a better built video game like <laughs> like it uh like it manages to uh be so well put together from a game design perspective and an aesthetic perspective and like uh I,
2: I think that it has the best synergy among its many parts out of any game on this list I I agree with that too yeah, yeah. it
0: is the best of its parts yeah and also you know it's much less problematic than 13 sentinels although yes. like although we are all I've, I've I see so many Hades players just kind of glazing over the pseudo incest in the game <laughs> Uh <laughs> Which you know I get is very Greek, but, right? But that know. that doesn't mean that that's the story we have to tell now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm I'm cool with the the polyamory in the game. That's right. that's neat yeah. and also very Greek polyamorous representation that's treated in kind of a positive way is is uh, that that's. Does that exist in video games? I don't fucking know, right. actually. Like, it's, it's very rare, to say the least, right? Yeah, like, yeah. especially in kind of games that are even this close to the mainstream. Um,
1: that being said, all of the romance options are great.
0: Yes, they <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they. are. Like, uh, even the ones that make me a little uncomfortable because you're all raised by the same mom. like like yeah
1: it's fine (laughs) no it's not
0: that's what i'm trying to say say. (laughs) The the characters themselves and like the chemistry that zagreus has with them are great like yeah yeah you you have to have a different kind of tolerance uh but like yep um and 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 like i i don't love that this Kind of encourages people that have the opposite of a tolerance for that kind of thing, right? Um, but uh, but I do like Meg- Megara is fucking awesome. She is th- uh, Thanatos is fucking great. Um, I would die I, for Thanatos. I I did choose to romance Dusa first, mostly on principle. But uh, <laughs> uh, but other than that, like yeah, like all the characters are real good. Uh, that's. It's, I, I can't not say that. It's, they're, they're all so great.
2: I'm, I'm going particu- full
1: Thanatos. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm particularly fond of the characterizations of the, the various Greek gods that you get to interact with during your runs. Ye- because yes. I think some of them are just like, you know, Zeus, for instance, is exactly mm-hmm. what you would expect him to be like. And oh, so sure. is He's Poseidon, kind of like... and so is Athena. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then, like... Ares, for instance, he's not, like, kind of loud and boisterous and warlike. He's almost like a boardroom CEO who's about to fire you, but you don't know it, you know? (laughs) It's just this ice-cold energy that he exudes that's really cool. Or, like, Dionysus, for instance. It would be really easy to have just made him an absolute slob, but he's, like, kind of like this purring confident drunken frat boy almost you know oh he's he's is he the best himbo in hades maybe (laughs) Maybe. yeah yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) he's the best himbo in hades and that or artemis uh for instance one of my favorites i love artemis yeah it it just kind of almost reminds me of like uh sort of like the standoffish awkward girl in high school right with a with a heart of gold like Um, there's just, they, they took kind of these characters that have so much history and that we (laughs) assume will be a certain way, uh, and then they interpret them in a way that feels very fresh and modern and engaging. And I, I really, really like that about the game and its writing. Artemis, half
0: goth, half art kid, all bisexual. 100%.
1: (laughs)
2: uh yeah i mean there's there's so much to love about hades and oh yeah absolutely if i mean i think that you know it would probably be my number one as well if 13 sentinels weren't specifically hardwired to be my jam in so many ways sure yeah um, you know i uh it yeah i it absolutely deserves to be both of your number one picks, and it's a phenomenal game Supergiant knocked it out of the park with it they absolutely did and the fact that yeah. they have been snubbed by so many uh you know game of the year uh things uh out there is is just immensely frustrating to me,
0: yeah 'cause they mm-hmm. they've really earned it in so many ways. I think one thing that we didn't even really touch on is like the The way that in a a year, kind of filled with like shitty crunch culture, (laughs) they they did the opposite and still made the game this good. Yeah, they they have mandatory vacation time in their business structure.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, as far Uh, as I can tell, their company policies are awesome. You know, based on what we know, and particularly compared to. A lot of studios, like, for instance, you know, the, the I know that the team that made uh, Last of Us Part 2 had to endure a lot of crunch conditions. Yes. Um, and then, you know, I mean, obviously other modern games, like, uh, like I know that happens a lot at Rockstar... I know Mm -hmm. we've heard about problems at NetherRealm. We've heard about problems, of course, at CD Projekt, right? Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, compared to all of those games that are getting kind of so much positive press and accolades and things like that, when you look at a company like Hades, or rather when you look at a company like Supergiant that's produced a game like Hades, it just goes to show that, like, You don't have to use bad and negative business practices as a gaming company to make a good and successful game. If you treat your employees (laughs) right, they will be inspired to go above and beyond and produce something of an extraordinary quality. And uh, Hades is uh, the perfect evidence of that. Yeah,
1: for sure. It's nice to have a protagonist like Zagreus who... Is both a badass trying to find out his identity and himself, and escape an environment that isn't healthy for him, and also still be empathetic and kind to everybody he comes across. It's just so good to see.
0: Yes, yeah, it is really cool. Like you also can kind of sense like a selfishness in his kindness Mm -hmm. sometimes. Like he's you know like there's a part of him that's that's doing this to to meet his you know his, kind of, uh, to kind of reach his goal, but, uh, but then there's still a, a, a bit of that that is genuine,
2: I, and, uh... Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think that it would have been very easy, uh, to kind of write him into a corner as, as, and have him come across as, like, a snooty asshole, you know? Yeah. But instead, even though he is kind of, like, a rich kid rebelling against his dad, uh, yeah. you you know, knowing what you know about him and as you uncover more things about him and his family and his history, uh, it's impossible not to feel a certain measure of sympathy for Zagreus. And uh, I think that that's, you know, just another example of how well the story of the game is crafted. Yeah, and he's fucking hot. That's a a
0: sexy guy right there. People love that man.
2: When the
1: release trailer came out, you guys were disappointed. But the entire time I was like, damn, that man is sexy. I am excited.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, the the way we do scoring is basically kind of an inverted thing where uh, the number one pick gets five points. Right. Uh, like, everyone's number one pick gets five points. Everyone's number two pick gets four points. And, you know, go go down the ladder from there. Number Number five pick gets one point each. Um, so that means since Lee and I both put Hades at number 1 that makes Hades the official smashing theory game of the year 2020. All right. Uh, with 13 Sentinels: Aegis Rim in second place. Right. Um and then Life is Strange 2 is in third place. Okay. Uh fourth place is a tie between Fuser and Sakana of Rice and Ruin. <laughs> uh and then I think it kind of becomes a tangled mess from there. Oh no, I think I think 5 is a tie between Animal Crossing New Horizons and Spider Man. No, it's just Animal Crossing New Horizons. Okay, right, right, right. In uh Oh, actually, hold on. One plus two, plus three. <laughs> Sorry. Uh fourth place is just a three way tie between Animal Crossing New Horizons, Sakuna Rise Horizon, and Ruin, and Fuser.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So
0: there there you go. Alright. Um yeah, and then like Miles Morales is under that, uh, and so is the FF Seven remake and the Trials of Mana remake. Okay, yeah, wow. Cool. Oh yeah, uh, runners up count as tiebreakers, so I guess Final Fantasy Seven remake is a bit above those very bottom rung things. Okay. but other than that, uh, yeah, other, other than that, there's there's
2: our there's our games of the year. Yes. 2020 was a terrible year, but in some ways it was a great year for video games. Like, a lot of the games that came out were of a really high quality, and, uh, you know, I know, Daniel, you mentioned that this was quite a hard list for you to put together. I had a similar problem. It wasn't because, like, oh, these games are so bad or whatever. It was actually the opposite. I mean, I played no. so many good games this year that I enjoyed a lot of, that it was just difficult to make a decision, even with eight slots, uh, for yeah, what I wanted man. to include and what I didn't. Um and I,
0: I think I think our whole top three are going to be contenders for my like games of the decade yeah. like twenty twenties. You know? yeah. Like yeah, I think all all of our top three are, are gonna be contenders for that because they all kind of just reimagine <laughs> the the medium yeah. in cool ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Play Hades.
0: <laughs> Play Hades. Stan Play Hades. Hades. Stan Hades or Sagrius.
1: or Thanatos
2: or Dusa. I like Dusa or Skelly. <laughs> uh,
0: thanks everyone for listening to this whole thing. Yeah,
2: in in real time, listeners, we have been recording for just over six hours. Oh, boy. And yeah. I feel like we've been recording for just over six hours, <laughs> but I'm glad we accomplished this.
0: We took breaks, yeah, and and there were pauses for planes and stuff, but hopefully you guys all enjoyed this. Uh, I know some of you really enjoy when we really uh, dig our dig our teeth in. So well, we really did. Uh, man, yeah, 20- 2020 was a good year for games. Yes. Uh, and any last thoughts before we sign
2: off? As I enjoyed, uh, you know, as I always do, this Games of the Year experience. It was really great to hear both of your thoughts on uh, the games that you chose to put on your list. I enjoyed talking about the games that I just put on my list. And I hope that all of you listening uh, uh, also, you know, if you if you take away anything from this, I hope that you at least take away uh, a bunch of games to look into and see if you want to play them. Because I know that None of us put a game on here that we didn't enjoy uh, and and so uh, so you know, I encourage uh, those of you listening to to kind of think about what we've talked about today and uh, you know if you decide to play any of the things we mentioned, we'd of course love to hear your thoughts. Lee, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. for this this
0: big ass undertaking um any any last thoughts about this whole process this whole experience i love game of the year episodes
1: i really do oh <laughs> it's fun to talk about it's fun to talk to you guys about it it's fun trying to figure out which games rank where for us mm-hmm. so i really love doing this
0: yeah me too i'm really glad we had you on yes agreed gonna uh, marry you later yeah. or something <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah thanks everyone so much for listening uh, by the time you hear this I guess we'll be we'll be back soon with some prediction episode or another um, be sure to subscribe to us on our patreon patreon.com/ beepboop group we have all sorts of stuff planned for that one of them is uh, something we like to call other stuff of the year where we where we assign uh, accolades to categories. Uh, for things that aren't video games, like uh, like our favorite TV series of 2020, or our, our favorite movie, or our favorite meme. So, um, so if that sounds interesting, uh, you can pledge to us at the five dollar level or higher, and uh, and get that stuff within the next month, probably. Uh, looking at this wavelength, I can tell that I have a lot of editing to do before we even record that one so uh so thank you as always for your patience and we'll see you soon with more stuff and in the meantime
2: i hope that you have a
0: <laughs> smashing time this is the game of the year episode you don't have to do the sign off for that i hope
2: that you have a smashing time it's it's okay you don't, have to, you don't have to. oh smashing good night everybody goodbye good night <laughs> good night <laughs>
0: special thanks special
2: thanks special thanks to Ronald Lonald. if you got all the way through this congratulations now you're listening to us thanking you I don't think Ronald's listening to this entire
0: congratulations Lonald. but thank you Lonald. Ronald you're cool <laughs> agreed special special thanks
2: to Nymph slash dickbutt ah uh, dickbutt Thanks for being you, the dick, the butt. It's all there. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Lee, save me. say something.
1: Dick butt,
0: I miss you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I miss you too, dick butt. Special thanks to my fiance, Lee. Wow. Lee, you're here. Whoa. Oh my god. Whoa. Whoa. oh Whoa. And I can't even uh. thank you
2: for making dinner or whatever. You can't nope thanks for existing thanks for doing this yeah that too thanks can't for help
1: the first podcast. thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad it's happening <laughs> special thanks to Mr. Cool Red Luigi wahoo I'm
2: trying not to wake up the neighbors so I, I did <laughs> I did a muted one but there you go <laughs> oh yeah it is like 1 a.m. yeah our time yep yes Hope yeah. I I hope you enjoyed this and uh, we want to hear what your games of the year are, and really anybody yeah. who's listening. Feel free to shout them at us from the rooftops. Yeah, or just in our Discord. Yeah, that's fine too. Or you can tweet us or whatever. Yeah.
0: Thanks, Royce. Yeah, thanks. Special thanks to Cool Gabe.
2: Cool Cool oh, Gabe. You're <laughs> so cool. I can't believe that you went to school, bachelor degree, <laughs> doctorate gotta call you Dr. Cool now.
1: For $100, I... you could buy Sean Silence. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, I'm making a new tier. <laughs> <Your> special <laughs> thanks Cool Games. Special <laughs> thanks
2: to Vinny G. Alright, Vinny G. It's G-rate to see you in this tier. Oh, please say something. <laughs> <to me. laughs>
1: Vinny G, you're the Vinny g
0: oh uh-huh. I, I, I made a mistake <laughs> thanks Vinny, for for funding this for funding the whole thing yeah out of your back pocket
2: our it and, would not be our show would not be possible without you specifically and and a final, for now, very special Game of the Year special thanks to Vinabur. Thanks, thanks, Vinaber. You don't live on an island. You're an inlander. Hope you <laughs> enjoyed sorry, that, that last real... one because it's over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is the last one. <laughs> if you want a better one than that, I guess you can always give us... $20 again later. If you, if you no do live on that. an
2: island, we can cover that in corrections in the next episode of The Theory. <laughs> no. No. <Yeah. laughs> no, I think we're good.
1: Viniber. I hope you ate a good snack today.
2: Aw. Yeah, sure, me, me too.
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> special thanks, Viniber. Thank you for all of your, your contributions yes. over the past several months. Absolutely. They've been amazing. Thank you so much, and enjoy your snack. Yeah. Special thanks to all of our special thanks patrons. If you'd like to be a special thanks patron also, you can give us $20 a month and we will special thank you. (laughs) It's time to go. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Special thanks. Woo. Peace.